Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from a bright red tent discussing the 1999 supernatural horror film, The Sixth Sense. This film was written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. The success of The Sixth Sense, both critically and financially, effectively made Shyamalan a household name. This film is hailed for its performances, its atmosphere, and most notably, its iconic twist ending. This film was recommended to us by friends of the show, Sophie Hodson, Donald Mansfield, and Elisa Rodell. We want to thank them so much for their support, as well as for the suggestion. This film was also the winner of our December Patreon poll. So thank you to all of our patrons who participated and voted. If you want to help us pick an episode, join us over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash the podmortem. So... What did you guys think of The Sixth Sense the first time you saw it? I was 15 when this came out. Uh, I I didn't see this in the theater, but I remember watching it on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, does that show my age or people still buy DVDs? Uh, yeah. No, no. no. We yeah, still right. buy DVDs. Well, yeah. we do. Yeah, okay. So we do. <laughs> um, but I do remember watching it on DVD and being fucking blown away. Um, I really do enjoy this movie. Watching it now for the show and as an adult, I still love the movie. But goddamn, is this movie sad? Oh my god, <laughs> it gets sadder the older you get. No, I yeah, think. I was like, oh my god, I was like, why am I? What is this fluid coming out of my face? <laughs> it's almost not fair. Yeah, yes. I don't know if it's because the older you get, the more maybe you think about or you can these concepts. Right, you can understand. Yeah, or relate to more of right, the characters. Right. Yeah, that is yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in different ways. Yes, yes. because before you're like, I'm cold. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I remember watching this the first time. Geez, what, like eight? You'd have to be. I was ten. We, we didn't see this in theaters, did we? I, think, I don't think so. I think we did the DVD route. Yeah, as well. I didn't grasp how great it is until mm-hmm. I watched it later. All right, because I think that. Even as a kid, you get the twist ending. Right. But you don't realize how well it was set up. Mm-hmm. And you the nuances. No, no, oh, not yeah. at all. And the characters and their interactions with each other. Mm-hmm. Again, I was a child. No, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little more difficult to kind of read into that stuff. Right, right. Uh, rewatch ability of this fucking movie mm-hmm. is kind of one of the best you can think of. Right. Whenever you think of a twist ending, you want to go back and see some signs. Yeah, yeah. No pun intended because that's another one of it. (laughs) (laughs) But it is one of those things that just gets better every time I watch it. Some scenes, I will say, I remember... (laughs) I remember as a kid, scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think that there is still, I guess, some residual haunting going on now. Because I got I got goosebumps a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, I mean, it's not, there are moments that are, but it's not a particularly scary film. Right. Yeah. It's more a film, it's like a drama horror. Yeah. And I feel like the emotional... It's so emotionally poignant. Yes. And it it, it surprises me every time how much it is. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, yeah, the sixth sense, the kid, you know, yeah. 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 But then it's like, oh my God, why am I crying? Sobbing. Five <laughs> times at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this. I'm, I would say the resident M. Night apologist, mm-hmm. M. Night defender. 
And it may be because of this, because of the way that this made me feel and still makes me feel. It's like when you know somebody is a really good person and they're capable of so much, but they keep fucking up and you're like, guys, I swear, <laughs> like you don't know them like I do. They're going to get it together. And then he made right. yeah. it together. <laughs> the happening. <laughs> <laughs> I said we we all fuck up sometimes. All right. Five times. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's going to save it with knock at the cabin. We can I only hope. Yeah. Um, I love this movie so much and it's like we were saying the older you get i feel like you the more that you appreciate it when you see it the first time and you get the fucking wind knocked out of you because if you say that you saw the twist coming either you already knew it or you're a fucking liar yeah. you did not see you didn't see it coming <laughs> oh yeah no <laughs> you yeah, did not see all. that coming yeah. but if you go back and you watch it's there they he's literally telling us the whole yeah. time <laughs> And so you're like, I'm sorry, I'm just because I'm, I'm being mean. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just you're laughing at you calling our listeners liars. <laughs> <laughs> Not y'all. I know yeah. they would never do you that. You would never lie about something never. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so smart. It's right. so intelligent, artistically, emotionally. The performances are fucking on ten. I mean, I think we all sang Bruce Willis's praises in Death Becomes Her, how fucking right. funny he was. Yeah. He's so sensitive and so nuanced and so complicated in this. And we talk a lot about child actors. Haley Joel Osment mm -hmm. like reduces me to tears. He kind of set a bar that might be unreachable. For other child <laughs> yeah. actors. Yeah. And again, Tony Collette. Yes. Yeah. Every time. Her... <sighs> sobbing i cannot get through this without crying probably three times <laughs> at minimum <laughs> and a lot of it is because of her yeah right. um it's just phenomenal the writing is great i was very inspired because i watched a little like behind the scenes thing and m night Shyamalan was saying that he wrote this mm -hmm. and then he read the first draft and said it was the most derivative cliched thing that he'd ever read in his life he was like i've seen all of this in other films this is trash he threw it away wrote a second draft he still didn't like it wrote a third draft it wasn't he said it wasn't until the third or fourth draft that cole was even a character <laughs> he's kind of important yeah, yeah. Okay, a little bit. so as what? somebody who what, what was he writing I, yeah, as somebody who does aspire to write well, I do write. I just don't no, write yeah. very well, in my opinion. Well, you write but, very well. You yeah, just don't write very yeah. often. Okay, fair. Um, You're welcome. But thank you. <laughs> I'm, fair I'm a the great often writer. <laughs> no, fair on the often part. But to, to know that this came from that uh -huh. is extremely inspiring. But he said that once he thought of the ending, it felt like he had an ace in his pocket. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like, you can't fuck this up. Like, you have this ending. You just got to get to that ending. Well, in all fairness. And he did. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And an, an ace in your pocket is basically cheating, by the way. So yeah. don't, well, <laughs> don't do that. I mean, you got to figure it out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I because JP was like, well, what was it before? Yeah. I did read that in earlier drafts when Cole finally showed up, mm. Bruce Willis's character was a crime scene photographer in one of those drafts, and Cole was his son. 
Uh, I thought you were going to say a lamp. No. I was like, oh, well. Cole was a lamp. Yes. <laughs> that must be a draft. Well, I didn't read yeah, yeah. Well, if he's not there to the third or fourth, yeah, he's damn, be something. yeah. What is he, the camera? He's yes. just a, he's the, fuck, the background yeah. character. He's you. He's right? the audience. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I did want to talk about kind of piggybacking on what you said about the beginnings of this. Right. Because M. Knight made like a gutsy as fuck decision. Mm hmm. At the time, I believe it was 1997, I read this in The Hollywood Reporter, he was actually kind of more well-known as like a script, not a doctor. Mm -hmm. He wasn't like uh, Carrie Fisher oh, or right. anything like that, because she was kind of prolific with that. Right. But he did like punch up, I think it was She's All That. Oh, all right. And he also... <laughs> Could have punched right, a little yeah. Well, <laughs> it deserved another punch, I'd say. But he uh, did rewrites on Stuart Little as well. That's what uh, I was going to say. You know, so uh, that's kind of more what he was doing. Where was the twist there? Uh, he was a, a mouse, mouse the whole time. <laughs> I think we've seen that. Yes. <laughs> well, they gave it away Again, too early. Yes. When you rewatch yeah. it, it's very it's clear. Like, oh, shit, he wasn't that's, a real boy. That's a fucking mouse. He's wearing tiny mouse clothes. He's always talking about cheese. He's on uh, the cover. <laughs> <laughs> but um so he had made i think one film it was i think i forget what it was called it was with rosie o'donnell the flintstones not quite <laughs> all right. no wide awake wide awake, wide awake. All right, all right. Okay. <laughs> almost yeah, yeah no viva rock vegas no 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 <laughs> no, no, no that came later <laughs> late all right Do you um, know robert baratheon played yes, Fred yeah. <laughs> one of those? dude john goodman's like no yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not doing that. Think, uh, one of the bald ones was. Uh, he was. Oh, he was Barney. One yes. of the lesser. Yes. Wild. Uh, wild. But so that he made that movie, but it kind of didn't do all the box office. All right. And so he took a year to write The Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. And after he does that, he scoops up his family for a trip to Los Angeles. Yeah. And they stay at the Four Seasons, which he paid for. And he was like, either this is going to go really well, or I'm really going to regret this hotel room. Oh, man. Wow. And so he talks to, I believe, his agent. And he tells him that when he's shopping the screenplay around, there's two things that are a must or it's a no deal. Yeah. One, he gets to direct it. Two, Hell yeah. he gets a million dollars for it. Which is bold as fuck. Like off the rip? Off the rip. Oh, wow. <laughs> you <laughs> so know this what? This is non-refundable. Yes, it's, it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's minimum. Know your worth and add tax. Well, he, he knew did. what the fuck he had. He, he had the ace in his pocket. And <laughs> he yeah, he's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hold on, though. <laughs> but he said that uh, unexpected to him and his agent, it starts a bidding war. Right. Almost immediately. And it ends up that Disney buys it for $3 million. Okay. I've heard rumors that the guy that bought it did it without corporate clearance. That's uh, what I read. They right. And then he got that, fired. Yeah, which I... I was like, oh, that's dramatic. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need more on that because... <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a, a myth. Or yeah, some urban shit. legend. Yeah. Especially considering the business this movie did. Right. They're yeah. like, you're rehired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can still hear his howls yeah. through the halls of Disney. <laughs> of the studio. Yeah. <laughs> There's another story on his house when he gets home. <laughs> yes. Because I think it was something like $600 million it makes at the box office. Damn. Uh, oddly opened, I believe, August 6th, which was M. Night's birthday. Of course. Oh, I love that. So there was like a lot love of that for him. weird coincidences. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it made his fucking career. Yeah. Um, I will say he did have a quote in like a 20 year retrospective that was a little sad to me. He said that this was the only movie that he's made or will ever make that had the luxury of living without his name attached to it. Oh, my God. That yeah. like 
hurt. Because when you think about it, everything he makes is compared to this. Yeah. And it kind of sets him up to where everybody's expecting certain things from his films. Well, I see, still believe in you, M. Night. But that's <laughs> what happens when you cheat. Now well, everything else <laughs> doesn't compare to it. It's because of the ace. Yeah. <laughs> Now, before we help this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's see what we want to see. An eerie score plays over the opening credits, which are surprisingly long. Yes. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> <laughs> what was that? They go on for a bit. <laughs> they do, but I knew that Nay writing the script was like fucking Cabbage Patch. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, very that. pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy. I did want to call out, of course, James Newton Howard again. Mm-hmm. We talk, I think we just talked about him on Stir of Echoes, didn't we? Another fantastic <laughs> right. 1999 ghost, yes. ghost story. Film. <laughs> uh, but he, of course, as we have said before, does like the majority of M. Night's films. Yeah. All right. It's kind of part, almost like uh, Tak Fujimoto with the cinematography yeah it is kind of m night's language of Mm -hmm. his films but um i did see a featurette where they were talking about the writing of this score right and m night (laughs) gave like the most interesting notes to this dude he because what it is is what they want the music to convey is the varying i guess aspects of the sixth sense not the movie the sense itself mm. uh, all right and so kind of difficult yeah yeah so he would just send him like random adjectives or he would <laughs> there was one he said he goes i left him a voice message message and i was like the sixth sense is kind of like i think he said like a tiger like on the prowl oh and but when it gets to you it doesn't do it it doesn't it doesn't get you but <laughs> Write something, <laughs> you know. So it's stuff like that to where it's like, okay, so it's like, and the tiger like didn't sleep well last night. Yeah. It's a little hungry. He also, doesn't like yeah. water. No, I heard. I heard he doesn't. <laughs> the fact that I mean, with those, uh, the, and honestly, I mean, if you're a composer, those are very interesting ideas to contend with. Yeah, because yeah. you're like, okay, so then it's foreboding. Yeah, but it's not frightening yeah. or dangerous. You yeah. know, and so it's like it's it's very neat, and I think what he came up with is pretty brilliant. That's interesting. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I did also, they said that a lot of the silence in the movie, Mm -hmm. they took out the room tone from like what was recorded. Yeah. And instead added human breaths. Oh. And so there's like this underlying uneasiness with the score. Yeah. And you can kind of feel it in a lot of the scarier moments. Yeah. It's kind of, it's really brilliant. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) Again, so many aspects that you don't know to appreciate immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But we finally come into the film on a bare glowing light bulb. I did not remember it opening this way. I did not either. Did you get any like symbolism from it? Maybe. Okay. But obviously we can't right. talk about it. Get now. into it right now. <laughs> but Anna Crow, played by Olivia Williams, walks down into the basement. She's wearing a nice dress and ponders before selecting a bottle of wine from the wine rack. She looks unnerved for a moment, looking around and shivering before racing back upstairs. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Upstairs, cards clearly handmade by children are set up on a mantle. Anna returns with two sweaters, tossing one to her husband, Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis, of course, (laughs) and putting on the other one. 
Malcolm, clearly a little drunk, admires the frame of an award that was given to him. He ponders how much the frame must have cost, and Anna indulges him, telling him that he sounds like Dr. Seuss when he's drunk. Well, yeah. he was doing a lot of it. Yeah, he was struggling, too, <laughs> with that sweater. <laughs> well, I don't think... Drunk. Was, come on, I man. man's a little drunk. I don't know that sweaters are supposed to <laughs> do so that. <laughs> And I, it it is it does make sense as to why he's doing that later. Yeah. Right. Once we know certain things, yeah. but at the time, I'm like, why is he putting that on? Yeah. <laughs> but he leans into this, saying that he's serious. Serious, he is. And Anna says the frame must have cost a couple hundred dollars. We zoom in on the writing inside of the frame as Anna reads it to him. It's honoring him, recognizing him for his outstanding achievements in the field of child psychology, the dedication to his work, and his continuing efforts to improve the quality of life for children and their families, which is amazing. Yeah. And is is it also mentioned the city of Philadelphia? Yes. Yeah. He was honored by the city of Philadelphia, hmm. given this for professional excellence. Malcolm muses, wow, before saying that they should hang it in the bathroom. <laughs> What? Yeah. yeah. I was like, God damn, dude. All right. <laughs> I will say M. Night with uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. It's like the Chili Peppers with Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> and you love to see it. I love yeah. seeing someone have like pride in their town. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. But I've heard it's always sunny there. Yes. So they have a whole fucking show about it. <laughs> and I did want to call out Bruce Willis because this is not his standard at right. all. I feel like that's when. I don't want to say that's when people are given the opportunity to shine, but I love seeing people outside of what you expect them to be. Right. Like that to me, that's why he is such a treat and death becomes her because this is not a Bruce Willis role. No, no. but he's so fucking funny. You would have never known he can be that funny. Yeah. No, so, he doesn't climb through one air vent. Yeah. Not he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't punch one person in the face no. in this movie. Not once. And he's brilliant. So, I mean, no yeah, cowboy it, puns. None of that. No, no, yeah. None of it. It's, it's a treat to see him emote the way that he does. And I mean, he's just so great in this. And there's something, I don't know what it is about Bruce Willis as an actor, incredibly relatable. He feels like an everyman. Like a, right, like a normal like a person. Real person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that might be why he's so successful as far as like action films because you see, you know, you're, you can right. implant yourself yeah. onto. Like it. He looks like a... your high school coach, right? <laughs> like he teaches tennis. I like, right? yeah. He teaches tennis. <laughs> but Anna tries to tell him how serious this is—that he's finally being acknowledged for his work. She says that he puts everything second, including her, to help those families. I thought Malcolm was going to be like, no, but he he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here you goddamn yeah. right. <laughs> oh, you noticed that? Yeah, it's and it is funny to me that she mentions it because that that is something that's been sticking with her for a while. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Like, I know you're having a great night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we got to we got to remember you have not been <laughs> <laughs> But she tells him that he has a gift to be able to teach children to be strong in situations that adults couldn't even handle. She tells him that she believes in what they wrote to him. Malcolm can only thank her before kissing her. Then he reverts back to Dr. Seuss mode asking for wine. Instead of the wine, though, Anna is trying to serve him a glass of her. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> they head upstairs kissing and Anna playfully strips off her sweater before tossing it. Malcolm does the same with his vest, smiling as he tosses it across the room. But he stops when he sees that Anna has frozen staring at the floor. 
This, I never remember that this is what they're going upstairs to do. Oh, yeah, no, they're trying to fuck. It's a, a special happy night. Time. We're celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the worst, like, switch gears. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's... Uh, Worse yeah. than the Baba Duck. <laughs> well, it's pretty close. <laughs> it is. <laughs> going from midnight to six as quick as humanly possible. <laughs> but Anna calls him over, and on the ground is their phone off the hook and an open briefcase with glass shattered over it. The glass is coming from their bedroom window, which has been broken. So this is on the second floor. Nobody talks about yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. I d- see. I don't remember this. Me neither. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. No, it's, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man is done. We know exactly. Yes. <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson's like, I fucking yeah. <laughs> fucking He's a menace. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a shadow moves in the adjoined bathroom and Anna screams. Malcolm moves his wife behind him protectively and slowly walks toward the bathroom. A pile of rumpled clothes and shoes come into view and Malcolm finally sees the intruder, a disturbed man standing in his underwear played by Donnie Wahlberg. It surprises me every time. Yeah. He's unrecognizable. He is. And I watched an interview with him where he talked about how he prepared for this role and kind of like what he put himself through. And it is incredible yeah i mean clearly he i think he lost 40 something pounds yeah um i mean he's very gaunt yeah he looks unwell it was a compromise too because he had clothes on in the script mm-hmm. he wanted to be naked right yeah <laughs> and they <laughs> compromised by giving him underwear he was like i had them dirty them up yeah and yeah. that was the compromise that, i mean this dude was fucking all in damn he lost all that weight he did yeah i think and he that said was five like, weeks it was an it jesus w- wasn't yeah. even um intentional well i can speak later as to like the motivations that he had for this character yeah but the screen time that he gets versus the work that he put in is so fucking admirable and i really think that it pays off because yeah. this is chilling it's like real life scary Mm -hmm. like very scary to me i feel like his performance is so unexpected especially for him at the time yeah Yeah. he was new kids on the block i think he had done maybe like one or two he had been hanging tough before this (laughs) i mean like and now he's being very vulnerable yeah (laughs) (laughs) they did say that they were willing to do that with him being naked but i think when they were disney was worried about this film yeah and whenever they were thinking about ratings they're like the script this is an r-rated film yeah but if it's pg-13 maybe we can you know score some of this because this movie costs 40 million dollars to make yeah which also surprises me yeah but whenever it got that rating he can't really be naked in the scene if it's gonna be yeah you know whoa 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 this is disney not dixney oh come on yeah (laughs) yeah no that's put it (laughs) put it wait so you're telling me (laughs) are you telling me that when they went to negotiate yes donnie Wahlberg was naked (laughs) (laughs) they're like we can't do this this is what we want to show look what i've been working on yes Yes. kind of what we were thinking for the scene put it away It's like we've told you no five times. Yes, like, and that was yeah. that was Walt. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> but back to the fucking movie. Right, right. Very serious moment as well. Yes, Malcolm quietly tells Anna not to move or make a sound. He calmly informs the man of their address and that he has broken in. The man says that Malcolm doesn't know so many things. He stares at him, anxiously scratching his arm. Malcolm remains calm, telling him that they don't have any needles or prescription drugs, but the man comes toward him. Malcolm takes a step back, hitting the bed with his legs and forcing him to sit down. Anna remains by the window, afraid. 
The man sobs and asks if Anna knows why she's afraid when she's alone because he does. Anna asks what he wants and the man screams, what he promised me. Malcolm asks if he knows him and the man sobs, asking him, don't you know me, hero? He asks if Malcolm really doesn't even remember his own patients. He describes the situation, downtown clinic, single parent family, possible mood disorder. Malcolm quietly searches his memory as the man starts to cry, saying that he was afraid and Malcolm told him that he was just having trouble coping with his parents' divorce, but Malcolm was wrong. He screams at him to just look at him now. He doesn't want to be afraid anymore. Do you think that he read? Yes, that's what I... I, Okay. As I'm speaking, it occurs to me that that's what the briefcase was there for. Yeah. He was looking through his shit. To see. Yeah. And I hadn't caught that at all. But then when you think about possible mood disorder... Yeah, I was like, why are you telling that? Yeah. (laughs) 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 Malcolm whispers to just give him a minute and the man bangs on the doorframe, saying that he waited 10 years for him and he's not giving him anything else. This was improv, according to Donnie Wahlberg. Really? He said that it just came out of him because he did so much work on yeah, this yeah. character. That feeling in that moment that he'd be like, no, fuck you. Like yeah, I yeah. gave you an, it's, it's powerful performance. I did want to call out as well as along with all that work that he did after this scene was finished and they finished filming it. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis took him to the crew and had his arm around him. He's like, I need to tell everyone what this man did yeah. for this role. And he told him everything got like an ovation like it was very he deserved it he deserved it Mm -hmm. malcolm starts to throw out names but they're all wrong the man continues sobbing saying that some people call him a freak and he is that's when it hits malcolm vincent gray vincent sobs quietly saying don't at the mention of his name but malcolm assures him that he does remember him he was very quiet and very smart and unusually compassionate Vincent tells him that he forgot cursed and screams that Malcolm failed him. Malcolm apologizes for not being able to help him as he gets to his feet. He asks Vincent to just try and give him a chance. But wordlessly, Vincent turns around, grabs a gun from the sink, turns back around and shoots Malcolm in the stomach. Malcolm flies back onto the bed and we pan over to the door of the bathroom as we see Vincent put the gun to his own head and pull the trigger. Anna rushes to Malcolm, helping him apply pressure to his wound, and it fades to black. I did want to say, whenever it is fading to black, Mm -hmm. as Anna's kind of cradling him, Malcolm is like, is Vincent? He's asking if he's okay. And it really speaks, not only did he remember him, he's been shot. And Mm -hmm. he's concerned concerned about Vincent. I was like, man, this dude is... No wonder he got that award. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They really should hang it in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I did see an interview with M. Knight where he had talked about the inspiration for this scene. Mm-hmm. He had said that whenever he was, I think, I want to say he was like 14. Yeah. His family came home from the mall. And when they did, they saw that their front door was wide open. Yeah. And so his dad instinctively goes in, checks everything out. And he comes back to the car. He's like, there's nobody in That's here. That's so fucking scary. Nothing's missing. Yeah. He goes, but for some reason while I was in there, he goes, I couldn't shake this feeling that I was going to go into our bedroom and see someone sitting on our bed waiting for me. Oh, yeah. my God. And M. Knight's like, that stayed with me forever. Of course it did. <laughs> it gave him nightmares and then he got to use it here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, dad, why would the fuck would you say that? <laughs> I, got, I got goosebumps saying yes. I was not so there. Scary. I was not even alive. He's like, can you just put one of my awards in the bathroom? Yeah, like, yeah, I got yeah, that's, fine. that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. 
But it comes back up on a street with text that reads the next fall. It lets us know that we're still in South Philadelphia. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Malcolm looks over notes he took about Vincent Gray, 10 years old at the time when he was referred on January 19th, 1989. Great year. (laughs) The notes mark Vincent's parental status as divorced. And the notes detail signs of acute anxiety, social isolation, and a possible mood disorder. They also refer to Vincent being constantly distracted and unable to focus, almost as if there were people lurking in the corners of the room. That's huh. what's written in you the notes. don't say. Interesting. That's like such a fucking scary thing to write. <laughs> <laughs> we're in your office. Yeah, like, dude. That's scary. <laughs> Malcolm looks over this until across the street, a boy comes out of an apartment house and looks around. This is Cole Sear, played by Haley Joel Osment. Okay, we're going to have to talk about that name. I mm. mean, it's a little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is the nose. <laughs> no, but it's S-E-A-R, not S-E-E-R. Then it's, it's a, a goddamn nostril. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cheek. It it's is. It's a cheek. It is. I was very <laughs> surprised for some reason I didn't remember his name at all. And then whenever I saw that, I was like, ah, I'm night. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it already. Yeah, man. come on, man. <laughs> uh, but nothing can be said enough about Haley Joel Osment. Yes. His performance. I had read that M. Knight was a little worried about casting him at first because I guess the idea of what he had for Cole at first was not what his audition brought to the table. Right. And then after kind of watching it and thinking about it, I think he met him. He's come to the point of like, this movie isn't the movie without him yeah right. and this movie isn't it's really no, not yeah. the movie without him i watched an interview with him it was i guess he was like 11 uh-huh. during the interview i think he was 10 when they were filming this mm. but he is just so like answers questions like he's a little adult it was just the <laughs> cutest thing he was talking about how he was so taken by the story and how the ending really blew him away and right him and his dad read the whole thing together and then they were rehearsing with each other and he was talking about just like going golfing in between like it was just i was like <laughs> you're 11 years old it was just it the is, cutest thing it's funny to me to see child actor interviews because yes. they, they do they're like it's not often a project like this yeah. <laughs> you're like what the, you're 10 <laughs> where are your legos yeah. like what the fuck and M. Knight even said that he didn't direct him like a child actor. He directed him the same as all the other actors. Right, right. Good. And so, yeah, he was like, I, if that contributed to the performance that he got. But, I mean, it, th- wow, this kid is he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just like everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also Sora from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> and he so. is. Even more importantly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's how Disney uh, got a hold of him. I, <laughs> I did, and, and this was just me, but uh, we all love Sonny. Of course. Does he look like a tiny Mac? Oh, he does. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I just, uh, <laughs> if you if you recall, they the did. The little boy that plays Mac. Well, yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He looks just like him. They did um, some ad for Sonny uh, probably like 10 years ago. Yeah. It was like a thing where everybody was replaced by a famous person. <laughs> yeah. And they did have Haley Joel Osment <laughs> <It's> <laughs> playing not, Mac. It's not wrong. It's really not. And it's Philly. That's yeah. <laughs> But Malcolm flips to his notes on Cole. They say that he is nine years old and was referred in September of 1998. His parental status is also divorced with the same keywords circled throughout the notes. Acute anxiety, socially isolated, possible mood disorder. He looks up at Cole as he closes and locks the door behind him. He takes out a pair of oversized glasses and puts them on his face. 
Malcolm looks down to pack his things away in his bag. And when he looks back up, Cole is already gone and hustling down the street. Very interesting that he's running away. Yeah. yeah seemingly. I did want to call out the glasses because I also had large glasses as a child. <laughs> I thought these were his prescription glasses. They're yeah. not. They're not. Because <laughs> I was like, if they make fun of him, because now he, <laughs> I got made fun of, but he would be like the coolest fucking hipster alive if he wore those now. But, you know, time, time and a place. Time and a place. They change, right? <laughs> yes. But Malcolm follows him from across the street, finally having to jog to keep up with Cole. Cole breaks into a run and Malcolm follows until he watches Cole pull open the big red doors of a church and disappear inside. I do make note of red doors. Yes. Red is a very important theme throughout the film. But mm-hmm. again, that is something we can get into a little bit later. I didn't realize it. I watched this twice for the show. Right. I started taking notice that there was things standing out right right and then they did talk about it on a featurette yeah and then i rewatched it and it's like holy shit yeah there's one scene in particular where i'm like that it, it sta- it's it's undeniable right right uh, i did read that there were literally scenes where if something else that wasn't supposed to be red was red in it they edited the red out god like, damn. Oh, wow. <laughs> every every use of red is extremely intentional okay, and extremely okay. symbolic of different things right right that's what i'm saying about m night methodical right he has it in him to be an incredible filmmaker you don't right. know him like i do well, <laughs> that's what i'm saying we, we i know him it. exactly how i'm pretty sure he did this I, yeah, oh, right. okay cut his mic <laughs> you got one more strike <laughs> But Malcolm goes inside to find Cole playing with figures and whispering Latin to himself in one of the pews. That would be enough to unnerve me. (laughs) Any Latin, I'm like... This kid's a demon. There's demons, yeah. Yeah, There's demons around. (laughs) (laughs) Cole goes quiet when Malcolm approaches him, but Malcolm assures him that it's okay. He says he was supposed to meet with Cole today, but he missed their appointment and he's sorry. He sits down and Cole quietly begins to set his figures back up. Malcolm says that in the old days, people used to claim sanctuary in churches. Cole asks what these people were hiding from, and Malcolm tells him bad people that wanted to put them in jail or hurt them. He points out that Cole's glasses don't have any lenses in them, and Cole explains that they're his dad's glasses and the lenses hurt his eyes. I I went through some emotions. Whenever he said he doesn't have a lens, I was like, fucking poser. But then, but then he Aww. said, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Wear them, please. My respect. Wear mine. I'm sorry. Malcolm asks what Cole was talking about with his soldiers when he got here. He tries to repeat it, but Cole takes over, repeating the Latin. De profundis clamo ad te domine. And he says, it's called Latin. I was like, you little shit. <laughs> yeah. Not getting read by a nine-year-old. That's nuts, dude. <laughs> As he moves his soldiers around, Malcolm notices multiple deep scratches on the inside of Cole's wrist, but he doesn't call attention to it. He only asks if all the soldiers speak Latin, but Cole says that only one of them does. He asks if Malcolm is a good doctor, and Malcolm admits that he used to be. He even won an award from the mayor for it once, and it had an expensive frame. He was really big. Yeah. It was a nice frame. He really it liked was. the frame. Cole just silently gathers his things, slings his bag over his shoulder, and gets up to leave. He asks Malcolm, I'm going to see you again, right? Hmm. Malcolm says, yes, if that's okay with him. 
But Cole just leaves without another word. And on his way out, he steals one of the religious figures set up by the front door. <laughs> kind of be honest. This child is wild. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that a little worrying? He didn't answer you, and then he stole some shit right yeah. in front of you, dude. And like, it, <laughs> the, the swipe is surgical. And, oh yeah. <laughs> you've done this yes, you've stolen plenty, and it had a red sash. Yes, mm-hmm. it did. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, when he took that, and then Bruce Willis, or I guess his name's Malcolm. Bruce, yes. <laughs> Malcolm was like, "Oh, like yeah. he had a little well, that, was, that was bold. It yeah. was <laughs> yoink." <laughs> that night, Malcolm returns home. He calls out to Anna when he gets inside, but he doesn't receive any answer. He sees evidence at the dinner table that Anna ate alone while reading a book, and he goes upstairs. He finds her asleep, clutching a handful of tissues with used ones piled next to her. He sits next to her regretfully, and she pulls her blankets tighter. Once again, interesting. Mm A little bit, a little bit. I will say, though, I mean, you know, you set up in the first scene, she's been put second. Right. So that explains dinner. That explains her going to bed without him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And her being upset. And her being upset. And also her pulling her blankets closer, tighter. The window is r- wide open, buddy. Like yeah. that's yeah. probably why you're yeah. so cold, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> probably because your window's open, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna tussle her hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Go to bed, champ. <laughs> <laughs> But he heads downstairs and tries to go into the basement. But when he turns the red doorknob, red doorknob, indeed, he finds it locked and has to search his pockets for a key. Suddenly, we see him going downstairs and starting to go to work on the Latin that Cole had said. He takes out a Latin dictionary and translates it on the side of the notes that he took on Cole. De profundis clamo ad te domine, and please forgive me, I do not speak Latin, I'm not possessed. You don't? No. <laughs> <laughs> Means, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. What was that toy soldier going through? That's a lot. Saying, yeah. Yeah. A lot. Because <laughs> where'd you get that toy from? <laughs> He's Take obviously, it back. Yeah. <laughs> he needs help. You can't give yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did make me laugh, though, because Malcolm writes it down as if it is a matter of Cole crying for help. Yeah. But he was playing a character. Yes. He was. <laughs> he was very immersed in the role. <laughs> yes. Submerged. Yes, indeed. But Malcolm looks disturbed, understandably, mm-hmm. as he looks over this. I do want to point out as well that Malcolm uh, is right-handed. Yes. A very important detail that doesn't seem important now. Yeah. I believe I read something about Bruce Willis having to accommodate that. Because he's left-handed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and it's wow. for a reason. But we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. The next scene opens with the sun rising, illuminating statues that look away from us as the sun rises over Philadelphia, and the music is ominous. A lot of scenes or a few scenes open like this on like I know there's one with the fountain. There's Mm -hmm. like statues and stuff in the city that are kind of unnecessary, but they set this foreboding tone. Right. Like this was unnerving. The statues and the music. And then we just cut to the Sear house. Right. I part of me wonders is if, if it's like a way of implying history right and when you imply history that is important what do yeah, you imply yeah. yeah but the family dog sebastian pops out of the laundry basket lynn sear played by the tony fucking colette takes her blouse out of the dryer and puts it on buttoning it as she goes through the house 
She calls out Cole's name, lightly admonishing him as she closes all the drawers and cabinets that he left open in the kitchen. That drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, just close the cabinet. Does that yeah. happen? Close the drawers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, I got what I need. Pew. And then they're yeah. just gone. It's <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you found it closed. Close yeah. the drawer. Doesn't push matter. in your chair. Oh, okay. Yeah. Turn off the light. Turn off the light. That's John Paul. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say he's the, I'm never going to financially. <laughs> Every light does not need to be off. <laughs> no. It's not, it's like it guides your way. Yeah. Yes. Think, well, then I needed to be in the hall. Yeah. Yes. It's like, and no, then you I needed to see the trail through the house. Yes. <laughs> see you where you started. In the bathroom? Yes. <laughs> Porch lights. I don't know what the yeah, fuck that's about. <laughs> but Cole joins her as she pours herself a cup of coffee. She tells him to eat a cereal because it's getting soggy, and he sits down at the table without a word. Half sogged cereal. Uh, no, you got a you got a texture. I mean, no. have some crunchy, have some soft. Is all I'm saying. I've gone on record to say the minute the milk hits my cereal, do not talk to me. Do not expect <laughs> it. It is yeah, a race. You Shut be, the fuck up. Shut the I will be run away. It. <laughs> <laughs> if it's soggy, it's it's done. I can't. You need a mix. It's no, nice, uh, that's so gross. It's a variety. <laughs> it's a spice of life. <laughs> <laughs> Cole is wearing a school <laughs> uniform and she notices a spot on his clip-on tie. She takes it off. This is one continuous shot. She takes his tie off and we follow her back into the laundry room. She takes another tie out of the dryer, but when she steps back into the kitchen, she screams. Nearly all of the cabinets and drawers in the kitchen are wide open, but Cole has not moved from his seat at the table. Man, I'd shake the shit out of Jackson. <laughs> Why'd you do it? Why? Well, How'd his, you do it? Yeah, in all fairness, his hands are flat on the table yeah. Yeah. like his, a murder uh, suspect. His, <laughs> <laughs> and time. Yes. Like, oh, you fucker. <laughs> You've broken your record. Yeah. <laughs> his hands are pressed down firmly on the tabletop. It poltergeist influence. Lynn asks Cole if he was looking for something and he answers Pop-Tarts. Keeping cool, she tells him that they're right there. As she begins to close the cabinets and drawers, Cole asks his mother what she's thinking. Calmly, she says that she's thinking about a lot of things. Her reaction to this makes me feel like this has happened before Uh and she's trying not to react in a way that makes him feel bad or Mm -hmm. scares him. But when Cole asks if she's thinking something bad about him, she goes right over to him. She tells him to look at her face as she sincerely leans in and tells him that she was not thinking anything bad about him. I think that she plays, well, she plays every moment. No shit. Perfectly. But those moments between where she's like really reassuring. Yeah. She's like got the sweetest motherly presence like ever. It's it's perfect. Yeah. I, I can't like... I was writing the script for this and this first one because she says this multiple times. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, yeah. like, you can't start crying <laughs> already. already. <laughs> it's like, how do you have this? <laughs> I can't. Well, you don't, you don't want your child to feel like you think bad. Yes. Right. And I, and I do remember this from before, but watching it as a, as a parent and an adult, it's like, all right, you're doing the right thing. And yeah. like you said, it does feel like this has happened before. And she's just like, were, were you looking for yeah. something? Like trying to, like everything's fine. Because that would be fucking scary. Yeah. yeah. And it's not physically possible for him to have done that. But she asks if he's got it and he confirms that he has. Someone knocks on the door and Lynn can barely clip on Cole's tie as he jumps from the table saying that it's Tommy. 
He leaves, but comes back when Lynn takes a package of Pop-Tarts out of the cupboard and asks if he wants it. He comes back to get them, and when he's gone, Lynn looks down at the table. Cole's hands were pressed so hard against the tabletop that they left impressions, and they slowly dissipate as she watches them. It's dumb, but I thought of uh, DiCaprio and Django when he's like, if you remove your hands from that tabletop, (laughs) (laughs) then we go blasting with both barrels. It's like, oh my God. Good Lord. (laughs) Was Calvin Candy here? (laughs) (laughs) He just opened the cabinet. Yeah, it's like, dude, calm down. I think he got caught. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) what I wanted to talk about was (laughs) not DiCaprio, but the casting of Tony Collette. Right. She had, I guess, had shaved her head for another role or for some other reason. Okay. Maybe because she wanted to shave her head. Right. But whenever she sent in her audition tape, Uh. she had a shaved head. And so M. Night, knowing how a lot of producers think, they might see her and be like, superficially, nah, that's not what I see for Cole's mother. Yeah, yeah. And so he didn't show it to them. And what he did instead is he talked to Bruce Willis and he's like, I think I'm going to cast the actress from Muriel's Wedding. Mm -hmm. And Bruce Willis was like, I love Muriel's Wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And so whenever the producers asked, Bruce Willis was like, oh, no, yeah, she's great in Muriel's Wedding. And they cast her on the basis of that alone. Oh, nice. It really feels like Bruce Willis made a lot of shit happen for this movie. He did. Like, I I love that. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, first of all, it shouldn't matter at all. No. It shouldn't, but it does. But it does, and I love that Bruce was like, no, I'll play ball. I'll do yeah. it. Yeah. I'll get this solved for you. And it, you don't even notice, but she wears a wig for this role. No, you can't notice yeah, at all. Yeah, I didn't. I, I couldn't tell. It's not that's, Laurie Strode. And, uh, yeah, no. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like a great, it's a great wig. Yeah. yeah. But Lynn goes to the window and looks down at Cole leaving the building. Tommy Tomasimo, played by Trevor Morgan, takes Cole's messenger bag and puts it on his own shoulder. Remember him from Mean Creek? That's right. I used to fucking love that movie. I was wondering why he looked familiar. He, yeah. He looked like a tiny Brendan Fraser to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not it. It's Mean Creek. <laughs> but he looks up at Lynn and waves before draping his arm over Cole's shoulder as they both run off. As soon as they get out of sight of the window, they stop. Cole holds a handout for his bag to be given back, and Tommy obliges. He asks how Cole liked the arm around the shoulder bit. He says that he just made it up and went with it because that's what great actors do. It's all improv. He walks away, leaving Cole alone. As the bell rings and other children race inside St. Anthony's Academy, we see that Cole is still alone, staring after him, and now he's got a winter hat on that he didn't yeah. have a second yeah, Don't worry about it. <laughs> but he pulls the hat off and shoves it in his bag, hesitating before walking inside by himself. I will say that great actors uh, hit their mark and stick to the script. I wouldn't say... Imagine if you write something, they're like, nah, I'm going to go another way with it. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> and once you find out what happened, the armor on the shoulder really is a it, bit much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, too. It's a, it's a lot. At this moment, though, I was like, is Cole paying him? Like, That's, what, yeah. it, that's what it yeah. feels like. I was yeah. confused. But back at the Sear home, Lynn and Malcolm sit together in the living room, silent before Cole walks in. Lynn immediately gets up to greet him and ask how his day was, saying that he can tell her things if he needs to. She asks if he knows what she did today. She says she won the Pennsylvania lottery, so she quit her jobs and ate a big picnic in the park with a lot of chocolate mousse pie and then went swimming in the fountain all afternoon. She asks what he did today, and with a smile, he says that he was picked first for kickball teams at recess and hit the grand slam that won the game. Everyone carried him on their shoulders, cheering. 
In celebration, Lynn says that she'll make him some triangle pancakes and leaves, telling him that he's got an hour until dinner. When I was a kid, I thought this was so cute. Mm -hmm. But it like watching it now really fucking broke my heart that her winning the lottery and quitting her jobs was equal to him just being celebrated by the yeah, kids at yeah. school. Yeah, and like I was like, oh, like, oh yeah. I'm, this movie just had me in shambles the whole time. It's, it speaks to both of their wants. Right, yeah. right. I will say you as a kid, like thinking that I as a kid didn't get this at all. I was like, damn, they both had <laughs> Yeah, really yeah. good days. <laughs> right. Way to go, <laughs> man. Holy that shit. ball is rough. <laughs> yeah. A grand slam? They had to be loaded. <laughs> the lottery? Yeah, I was like, holy Why shit. Why are they so casual Why? about yeah. that? Why are they sad the rest of the day? Yeah. Am I having pancakes for yeah. dinner? Triangle yeah. pancakes? Shapes, shapes matter when you're a kid. Yes. That changes everything. You can dip it differently. You can dip it differently. <laughs> When Malcolm calls out to Cole, the smile drops from Cole's face. He asks if Cole wants to sit, but he stays standing. When he asks if Cole feels like talking today, he just shakes his head. Malcolm invites him to play a mind-reading game. Malcolm will read his mind. If something he says is right, Cole has to take one step toward the chair. If what he says is wrong, Cole can take a step back toward the doorway. If he reaches the chair, he has to sit down, but if he reaches the door, he can go. Upon hearing the rules, Cole agrees to play. It's fair. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Malcolm makes a show of reading Cole's mind, pressing his fingers to his temples with a high-pitched hum. That's fantastic. It really yeah. is. <laughs> he says that when Cole's parents were first divorced, his mom went to a doctor like him, but he didn't help her, so Cole doesn't think that Malcolm will be able to help him. Cole takes a step forward toward the chair. Malcolm says that Cole is worried because Lynn said she told the doctor things she couldn't tell anyone else. Secrets. Cole takes a step forward toward the chair. Damn, he's good. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> you really are a yeah. mind reader. Dude. <laughs> Those noises are working. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm says that Cole has a secret, but he doesn't want to tell him. Cole takes a step forward toward the chair, only like a step away from having to sit down. I'm going to be honest. He reached the chair. He did. He did. I thought that too. Yeah. I was like, you're right there, dude. Sit down. <laughs> He's yeah. not giving it to him. No. You got to work for this. You goddamn cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You got to get four right. Mm, those weren't the rules. Yeah. <laughs> but Malcolm notices the oversized watch on Cole's wrist and gets a little too cocky. He says that Cole's dad gave him the watch as a present just before he went away. Cole's eyes are big and sorrowful and he takes a step back toward the door he's like i mugged an old man for this one yeah <laughs> kid steals you, you yeah, saw me no. stealing shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't assume <laughs> he corrects malcolm his dad left the watch in a drawer and it doesn't work malcolm says that cole keeps pretty quiet in school but he's a good student and he's never been in any serious trouble we pull back from malcolm as cole takes a step back toward the door cole explains that in school they were supposed to draw a picture of anything they wanted Cole drew a picture of a man being hurt in the neck by another man with a screwdriver. It's like, Cole, you knew that that wasn't that school. Wasn't, yeah. <laughs> That's not for school, man. <laughs> Malcolm asks if Cole saw that on TV and Cole takes a step backward toward the door. That no, was no, not no. Yeah, that yeah, that doesn't count. That, <laughs> that didn't count as that's that's still no. part of <laughs> yes, that other We're question. still talking yes. about this. Yes. You fucking cheater. <laughs> Unbelievable. Cole says that everyone got upset and had a meeting where his mom started crying. 
Cole says he doesn't draw like that anymore. He draws people smiling, dogs running, rainbows. They don't have meetings about rainbows. What did they do to you, man? They like, took what? the fight out I of him. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. He's like, I'll be a good little soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Mm-mm. Malcolm agrees that they don't, and Cole realizes that he's made it pretty close to the door. He asks Malcolm what he's thinking right now, and Malcolm admits that he doesn't know. Cole takes another step back toward the door, ending the game. He says that he's thinking that Malcolm is nice, but he can't help him. Without another word, he walks away. Okay, so you so get, you're a thief and a cheater. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you're you really don't get to ask. You're, yeah. you're back where you started. <laughs> yeah, and that last part was that even a question? For I don't think the- so. You asked me a yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't think that's how that kid, works. Yeah, just making up the rules as he goes along. <laughs> this kid is shady. I can't believe this. <laughs> we cut to Malcolm joining Anna at a table in a restaurant. He's clearly late and jokes, I thought you meant the other Italian restaurant I asked you to marry me in. Anna looks away, not dignifying him with the response. He sits down and apologizes, saying he can't seem to keep track of time. On top of that, he had a bad session today. He tells her that Cole is so similar to Vincent, down to the mannerisms and the expressions. He says he thinks there may be some kind of abuse going on and cites the scratches on Cole's arm. He thinks they could be from fingernails or even defensive marks. It could be a teacher or a neighbor, but he doesn't think it's Cole's mom. He admits that he could be wrong completely. Maybe Cole just likes to climb trees. A server comes by and drops the check off, but when Malcolm reaches for it, Anna whisks it away. She pays for her meal and returns her card to her purse. Malcolm apologizes to her again, saying he doesn't mean to make her mad by being so distant, but he feels he's being given a second chance and he doesn't want it to slip away. Anna doesn't even look up at him. She takes a deep breath before muttering, happy anniversary, standing up and leaving the restaurant. Malcolm sighs deeply, cradling his head in his hand, and it fades to black. So this is another long take. Mm-hmm. The camera just kind of sweeps around. Yeah, yeah. I love shots like it's this. It's so right. good. It's just really good. Uh, I do think as well, this makes sense. Right. He literally is like, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Anyway, here's everything about work. Literally. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about my day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would look up like, from stop, shit. Stop, stop, yeah. stop. And I would probably leave too. Right. And how late are you? God yeah. damn. Yeah. She already ate. That yeah. was dessert. And paid. Yeah. yeah. Like, so let's, let's be lot. real. It faded to black, and before we even come back up on the street, we hear Cole say, stop looking at me. (laughs) We then see that he's talking to Malcolm as they walk down the street together. He says he doesn't like when people look at him like that. Okay, so that was jarring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is a deleted scene that's supposed to go before this Mm -hmm. where he's playing with his little army soldiers. Yeah. And he has a couple that are underneath like a red cloth. Mm -hmm. And Malcolm's like, oh, what happened there? And Cole, instead of being like, oh, you know, they're they're dead soldiers or whatever, he like he goes, oh, that's private, whatever. And he gives his name and he's like, he was supposed to make it back home to get married. And like he has like long stories. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, and that that's, uh, you know, corporal, whatever. He had just had a child before he came to the war and then he's never going to meet. And he's sobbing as he's telling yeah, these yeah. stories. And so and it's Malcolm's looking to, at him like, like what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, first of all, as a child psychologist, do not ever yeah. say that. <laughs> what, what the, the fuck, fuck, dude? Fuck? Wow. No, but. <laughs> do you want a candy? Yeah. <laughs> go to the vending machine real quick. sorry. Yeah. I asked. Um, I, the thing is, is that it's supposed to show, obviously, that he thinks differently. Right, yeah. right. And that these aren't just toys. He's got a whole thing ascribed to them. Yeah. And at the end of that scene, he's crying and he looks away from Malcolm and he's like, don't look at me like that. 
And Malcolm's like, look at you like what? He goes, like that. I don't like it when people look at me like that. And then Malcolm's like, okay. And he looks away and he's like, can I look at you now? And Cole's like, he has him tap one for yes, Aww. you know. Yeah, yeah. And so he taps no that he can't look at him. And then he's like, well, would you like to go for a walk? And then he taps twice for yes. I kind of, okay. I would have liked that in. Knight thought that it was too much too soon. As far as his way of thinking. About Cole. Okay, yeah. I can, that's fair. But I will say that it's them just cutting that whole thing and yeah. then starting the scene with don't look at it's me. It's like, oh shit. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> or fuck, I'm maybe sorry. Maybe a walk, smaller man. version yeah. of that yeah. or something. That would be kinda, fine. Yeah. That would be fine. But yeah, for it to be that abrupt was kind of jarring. Yeah. Like, oh, that's yeah. weird. I'm sorry. He's like, I got it from my wife last yeah. night yeah. at the <laughs> restaurant. Give and me now a fucking break, dude. <laughs> can't catch a break. <laughs> <laughs> But Cole just continues that he walks this way to school with Tommy Tomasimo. And when Malcolm asks if Tommy is his best buddy, Cole bursts that bubble by saying that Tommy hates him. Malcolm asks if Cole hates Tommy, but he says no. Malcolm asks if Cole's mom set that up for them to walk to school together. And when Cole says yes, Malcolm asks if he's ever told his mother how things really are with Tommy. Cole says he doesn't tell his mom things because she doesn't look at him like everyone else does and he doesn't want her to. He doesn't want her to know that he's a freak. They stop on the street corner as Cole says this and Malcolm tells him that he is not a freak and not to believe anyone who tries to say that he is because that's bullshit. He says that he doesn't need to go through his life believing that. They continue walking. Cole a little stunned as he remarks that Malcolm said the S word. <laughs> and Malcolm apologizes. <laughs> It is sad because Malcolm is talking to Vincent. 100%. Yeah. And so seeing that, you're like, that hurts. Yeah. Back at Cole's house, Lynn listens to music on her headphones as she gathers up the laundry. She zips up her sweater, shivering against the cold house as she turns up the heat on the thermostat. She pauses, looking at framed photos of Cole on the wall of the hallway. Solemn music begins to play as she notices an orb close to Cole in one of the pictures. Mm. we're doing orbs now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean what the fuck orbs it, orbs are nothing it was, i don't want to say it was <laughs> not orbs or nothing i feel like if maybe if it was an orb it would probably have been a little different but this is the same as shape it is in the on same every picture. single well, picture well 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 maybe it's the same one thing also fair i thought but it was, we'll get into that later i thought it might be <laughs> i don't like how john paul's like I, uh, <laughs> I thought it might be a feather because he is forrest Gump's kid isn't he <laughs> <laughs> and he a is. feather followed him around i think right all right <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> that what the movie was That's about? That's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> the feather that would not leave him alone. Yeah, it's not. I think it's on the box, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but she looks at another photo of her and Cole with another orb close to him. One of Cole is a baby with another orb. She marvels at the picture. She does like touch the photo the glass mm -hmm. of the photo and i think she has red nail polish she does so right. that's you know and i will say in all fairness and we're talking about orbs like in the movie it works for a moment or as a moment but and that's all it is but don't show me an orb in real life <laughs> <laughs> your, your camera's fucked up get it fixed <laughs> get it fixed okay, so show me the orbs i'll believe you <laughs> show me show me an fba that's what i want to see a full-bodied i would also, <laughs> also like to no, that. you said orbs <laughs> but both give those are for me <laughs> <laughs> those look fine but they're all the same they that are. was they my were. problem if they were a little different then okay and i get the if it's the same thing but come on i well, will say that i didn't clock that they all look the same but you saying that it is accurate and that makes me think 
of something that it is. Okay. In all fairness, don't you have that friend that always has one pose for every picture? It's yes. the orb. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. The orb's like turned. It's me with my peace sign. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was trying to say you without saying you, but um, yeah. So the orb is just flashing the deuces. <laughs> All right, and that's what we got. Now I get. We'll go with that. <laughs> when you find a pose that works, <laughs> yeah, I guess most comfortable. <laughs> we segue to Malcolm sitting on the couch in the living room as Cole plays behind it. He confirms with Cole that his father moved to Pittsburgh with the woman who works in a toll booth. Cole ponders what the woman is supposed to do if she has to pee while she's working in the toll booth. Does she just have to hold it? Malcolm chuckles, saying that he was wondering that himself. Cole points out that Malcolm is asking a lot of questions about his dad, and he asks why. Malcolm says that sometimes we do things to express how we're feeling about things like divorce. For example, a person could leave something on a desk for someone to find. He asks if Cole knows what free association writing is, and Cole admits that he doesn't. As they speak, we see Lynn still gathering laundry. She goes into Cole's room, past a bright red tent with a sign that reads, Do Not Enter. There are happy drawings on his walls, families, trees, horses, and rainbows. On his bedside table is a frame clearly made by a younger Cole with the photo of his parents inside of it. They both Dude. sit on a couch and do not fucking yeah. look happy to be sitting next to each other. Not at all. It's... I'm like, that's for your kid, dude. Face. Yeah. <laughs> Just smile. A little smile. They weren't, I was going to say they weren't even smiling. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Malcolm's voice continues that free association writing is where you just put a pencil to paper and write. You don't look at it or think about it. You just keep writing. After a while, if you do that long enough, words and thoughts come out that you didn't even realize that you had. Lynn pauses, staring at a piece of paper on Cole's desk. In red pen. Yes. He has started writing about his father moving to Pittsburgh and how much he misses him. Halfway through the page, though, the writing becomes erratic with concerning things like Christ, break the freaking glass. Oh, no. God, no. Quiet the damn baby. I'll cut you. I swear it. Someone stop the burning. I'll kill you. I'll kill all you bastards. It's like Elise in Insidious. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. Um. I will say that at that moment, the movie did a really good job of, I guess, forcing you to fill in the blanks in your mind. Right, right. Because you're and like, how Malcolm knows about exactly. this. Yeah. So Anna, not Anna, my bad, Lynn. Yeah. Found this, calls up Dr. Crow. Yeah. Great name, by the way. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, and then here we are. Right. We're talking about it. Lynn pulls off her headphones and stares in horror at the writing as Malcolm asks Cole if he's ever done any free association writing before. We zoom in tight on the words before cutting back to Cole and Malcolm. Cole is still behind the couch and we can only see the top of the hat he's wearing as he admits that, yes, he has. He wrote upset words. Malcolm asks if he ever wrote any upset words before his dad left, but Cole says that he can't remember. Malcolm gets up and puts his coat on, giving Cole homework on his way out. He wants Cole to think about what he wants to get out of their time together. If he can change anything about his life, what would it be? Cole asks if he can pick something he doesn't want instead of something he does want. When Malcolm says yes, Cole immediately says that he doesn't want to be scared anymore. Why does Malcolm not ask a follow-up question to that? Yeah. I think that Cole is like, you cannot scare him away. 
<laughs> like he offered you this little nugget. If you jump on it, he's never going to open up to you again. Okay. Right. So you just, okay, not scared anymore. Very good. But uh, of what? No, no, no. Because that's too much. <laughs> you're going to scare the boy. All right. All <laughs> just right. Let him you're pushing him. it. Him even saying that is a huge step. Okay. So, I mean, Fair this enough. man is very trained. He yeah. knows when to push and when to not push. Respect Dr. Crow. Okay. okay. Sorry. Great, <laughs> great name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But in his office, Malcolm circles a passage in a textbook that pauses that bruises and abrasions on a child's arms and legs could be self-inflicted. Someone knocks on the door, like the front door upstairs, and Malcolm calls up to Anna asking if she's going to get it, but she doesn't answer him, even when he asks again. She does answer the door, though, and Malcolm becomes curious when he hears her ask, don't you see enough of me at the store? Hmm. A man answers that he's going to a flea market in Amish country and he thought she might want to come with him to show him how to buy at one of them. Anna jokes that she doesn't know if she can deal with the Amish today because she can't curse or spit around them. Okay. <laughs> like, that's all I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. And the man says that he thought she might want the fresh air because she seems down lately. Anna assures him that she's okay. He asks if he should stop by on his way back to show her what he got. But she shuts him down again, saying that whatever it is, she'll see it on Monday. They say goodbye and he hears Anna shut the door. Malcolm goes to the window and looks up at the man as he walks away from the front door. He's Sean, played by Glenn Fitzgerald. He starts to walk to his car, but stops. He turns around, hesitating before turning back around to the house. He does this again, pondering going back and knocking on the door. Malcolm watches him and mutters, keep moving, cheese dick. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think we've had enough of that brand of yeah. humor re- <laughs> recently on our Discord. Uh, but what, <laughs> no. what I will say. I'm not going to name names. No. But if your name should be named, you know who you yeah, are. Yeah, you know exactly who you are. <laughs> you might have a podcast every Friday. But <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> I, seeing this as Malcolm... I would be like, that's very brazen. This is bold. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be very. She did shut him down, though. She did. But why do you feel so comfortable? <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. that's an excellent question. And it would make me be like, oh, well, I shouldn't have put her at number two. Like, this is even yeah. worse than w- we're in a worse spot than I thought we were. Yeah. Right. And you work with this dude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why he was so mad. He shot his shot. She said no. Oh, yeah. He like. Punches yeah. Him. yeah. He punches his car. God fucking damn it. He, he finally he finally gives up. <laughs> Throwing a frustrated hand as he goes to his car, pounding on the hood. Yeah. yeah. The it, Amish aren't going to like that either. No. So you need to take that energy somewhere yeah. else. English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus, don't make it weird, man. I mean, she knows you like her. Uh-huh. You're trying to hit on her. She said no. You still got to go to work and see her. And she True. can see yeah. you through the yeah, door. Yeah. Yeah. Punch his car? Yeah, she probably, what was that <laughs> what noise? What the fuck? No, I'm, I'm crying on the sidewalk. Yeah. What the fuck? Definitely not. Yeah. I'm glad I said no. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking creep. <laughs> But we cut to Cole sitting in class. Another kid, Bobby, played by Jeffrey Zuberness, writes over and over again on the board, promising he will not hit or kick anyone. Cole blows his pencil to the end of his desk before bringing it back to him and repeating it. The teacher, Stanley Cunningham, played by Bruce Norris, stands in front of another blackboard that reads Philadelphia's place in the American Revolution. He asked the class what city was the capital of the United States from 1790 to 1800. When no one answers, 
<laughs> I was like, look at the board, children. Yeah. The board. God damn. When no one answers, he gives them a hint that it's the city they live in. Mm-hmm. The class answers in unison. Philadelphia. Mr. Cunningham goes on to say that a lot of generations have lived and died in Philadelphia. Almost anywhere you go here, there's a history and a story behind it. Even this school. He asks if anyone can guess what this school was used for 100 years ago. When no one answers, Cole reluctantly raises his hand. I got to be honest. When he did, I was like, oh, Cole, yeah. like, oh God. It's like after the drawing, maybe we should yeah, be, yeah. be a little quieter in class. <laughs> Mr. Cunningham seems surprised at his participation and calls on him. Cole stoically answers that they used to hang people here. Hmm. The entire class freezes, chalk squeaking against the board as Bobby turns to look at him, too. Everyone looks at Cole, and Mr. Cunningham tells him that he's wrong. He asks where he even heard that, but Cole just says that they would pull the people in while they were crying and kissing their families goodbye. The people watching would spit at them. Cole Cole had an out. It's yeah. Because like, oh yeah, you know. And an older kid told me. Hey, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. And but he's, he's like, like they were kissing their face. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. And the camera presses in on like, all tight. And I'm like, oh, you're this doing is, too yeah. much. You're doing too Maybe much. Maybe don't come off that strong. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we talk a lot. It's about the delivery exactly. of the message. Yeah. Too serious. Yeah. Yeah. But Mr. Cunningham says that this school used to be a courthouse where some of the very first laws in the country were passed. He says that the whole building was full of lawyers and lawmakers and Cole's like, they were the ones that hanged everybody. Yeah. I love, he. it's almost like Mr. Cunningham is meeting him halfway. He's like, D- yes. Yeah. Yeah, dude, yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I was saying. The fuck, yeah. But as Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction would say, <laughs> if my answers frighten you, then you should cease asking scary questions. If you don't want to know what this building was, seriously, then don't be yeah. asking what this building was. Who came to me with that question? Literally. Yeah. I didn't offer the information to you. Mm-mm. But other kids start to laugh at Cole. And Mr. Cunningham says he doesn't know which one of the other boys told him that, but he's wrong. They were just trying to scare him. Cole looks around and Tommy Tomasimo is like turned around in a seat like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at him questioningly. <laughs> Mr. Cunningham looks sympathetic, but Cole isn't about it. He tells his teacher that he doesn't like when people look at him that way. We've already established yeah. this. Don't be looking at Cole sideways. Yeah. In all fairness, I don't know that Mr. Cunningham was giving him. He, yeah. looked, he looked sympathetic. He looked like like Cole was misguided and he's like, Oh, like, you know, yeah, but that's that, how he looked. Not that's in not a bad way though. No, yeah. It really <laughs> wasn't. You should be kicking Tommy Tomasino's ass. Yeah. yeah. Cause he was looking at him. Should yeah. He's like, what the, <laughs> I told these kids you were cool. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. Had my arm around you. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cunningham is confused, but Cole just yells at him to stop. The teacher starts toward Cole saying that he doesn't know how else to look at him. But Cole yells at him that he's a stuttering Stanley. This stops Mr. Cunningham in his tracks, but Cole is not finished eating his ass up. He says that Mr. Cunningham talked funny when he went to school here and all the way to high school. He says that you shouldn't look at people because it makes them feel bad. Mr. Cunningham approaches him, slipping back into an old stutter, and he's like, who have you been speaking to? (laughs) (laughs) You meet up with my bully or something? Cole covers his eyes and yells over and over, stuttering Stanley, stuttering Stanley. The kids all stare, completely taken off guard, and Mr. Cunningham weakly pleads through his stutter, asking Cole to stop. Right, you would think he's like a 15-foot spider holding a red balloon or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> the teacher's like, you said 27 years. Yeah, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> 
Cole only gets louder and louder until Mr. Cunningham reaches the tipping point. He slams his fist down on Cole's desk, finally getting him to stop and look up at him as he yells red faced. Shut up, you freak. Okay, so that's too far. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine all the TikToks that would be made about Mr. Cunningham? Oh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this happened today. Their poorly rendered backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. So this teacher. Yeah, he's all dipping yeah. down. Oh, right here, his name is Mr. Cunningham. <laughs> yeah, his name is Mr. Cunningham, and he was fired. <laughs> uh, the thing for me is, like, why is Cole doing this? He yeah. doesn't like when you look at him that yeah, way. Yeah, but he's it's clearly a, a trigger. He is. Like, it's for like, real? what the hell? It's the backstory for me. He didn't yeah. mean, he's well, like, we both know that. Like, you're telling me. It's you, funny as fuck to think about what transpired that for only him to Cole. know this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And by the way, <laughs> and through, no, through high school. It didn't stop. Yeah. It did not stop. But that's so, like, I don't know why, but this, I was mad at Cole a little bit. Cole did not need to do what he did, but he did. You know, don't look at me like that. Yeah, but, but he, he wasn't. To, he approaches know, him and he's yeah. like, well, I don't know how I was looking yeah. at you. Well, but he, it was sincere. Yeah. Diffused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I feel bad for Mr. There, Cunningham, but you can't be calling children a freak. I, I get this, but I felt like maybe this, and there's one other scene a little later that I'm like, I don't, or here in a second that I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, what no. is this for? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just confused at why it was here at all. Oh, no. There is there is one moment for me that I they are very good at following their rules. Yes. And then there's a couple times that they're like, what are the rules? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, point them out to me because I'm just on cloud nine the whole no, movie. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, this is cinema. Fair enough. Later, Malcolm joins Cole in the library. Cole sits alone in a chair and Malcolm sits across the table from him asking how he's doing. Once again, very easy to infer that after this outburst in class, somebody called his doctor to come and speak with him. Exactly right. But Cole tells him that he doesn't want to talk about anything right now. We can hear the other kids in his class playing outside as he sits with Malcolm in the quiet library. Malcolm asks if Cole likes magic, but Cole doesn't answer. Malcolm takes out a penny, telling Cole that it's a magic penny. Holding the penny in his left fist, he does a little magic shake and tells Cole <laughs> that the penny is in his right hand now. He does his little magic shake again and assures Cole that the penny is in his vest pocket now. He does another little shake and it's right back in his left hand where it started. He opens his left hand for the big reveal, but Cole tells him that that isn't magic. The penny was in his left hand the whole time. Malcolm's like, you really think so? <laughs> this is, I was like, that's fucking yes, hilarious. It's brilliant. And his magic shake and all yes. that. He's like, no, it's here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in my you now. gotta trust me. <laughs> But Cole, straight-faced, tells him that he didn't know he was funny. The two sit across from each other in silence as the kids continue to play loudly outside. What the fuck? What is this? I don't. I don't. I don't. What? I don't care about a magic trick, man. It's well, more. It's more. It's character no, development. I, I, and I get it. I don't and care I about understand. A magic but that was a great magic trick. Yeah. Uh, Best one I've it, seen. All right. It was all right. David Blaine's like in the vest pocket. Yeah. That, <laughs> very notes. good. Very good. Yes. But I mean, and and it does. I do get it. And then a little later, I understand. But I, this again for me is like I I I don't care. I like what it. is it? I no, and I understand what it's used for. But it, I I was just here. Like I don't even. What am I supposed to write about this? I'm just watching. Yeah, I <laughs> watching bet you do I, this, this trick. I had the luxury of writing the script. I bet this movie was kind of hard to take notes on. Yeah, I and and I don't and I. Uh, and 
forgive me if it sounds like I'm saying it in a bad way, but like it, it is like I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to put here. You're just showing this dude a trick that he clearly doesn't give a shit about. Well, <laughs> I like, think he, he doesn't care. I think to me it was like part showing Malcolm's ability or an attempt, not his ability at magic, but no, but his attempt or at least his expertise, right? And then showing that Cole is still difficult to crack, yeah. right? Right? Because maybe that's worked every time yeah yeah and cole is just not the same as even though other he's kids. like no that was funny yeah. as fuck yeah that I'm was still, yeah i'm not in the mood <laughs> i'm laughing on the inside yeah. <laughs> it's like when you text lol to your friend stone yeah. face yeah. like you know, lmao my ass yeah. is off completely. Yeah. i don't have an ass anymore but <laughs> this is what i noticed as well um malcolm really has an affinity for robin's egg blue shirts he does and yeah. it's something that becomes so important and is one of those other things to rewatch for. Right, right. It's one of the things that when you rewatch, you're like, I'm a fucking unobservant <laughs> piece How? of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, this is crazy. It's so well crafted. But Malcolm arrives back home and hears a woman on the TV telling him to sit his cute butt down and listen up. He looks over at the TV and sees one of Anna's bridesmaids, played by Lisa Summerar, giving a tipsy and hilarious warning to him that he better make Anna happy. He sits down and laughs at her. The camera zooms on the bridesmaid as she tearfully tells Malcolm that Anna said that she knew she loved him from the first time she saw him on the street. She says that Anna would do anything for him and that she loves them before telling the cameraman to turn away from her because her nose is running. This I know that like the moment is funny with her giving like her like little warning to him or whatever. Mm. And he's chuckling. I would be pretty devastated if we're having serious marital problems to the fact that I'm talking to you and you're not even answering me and then some lemon square bitch comes to the door trying to get you to go to Amish country <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I come home and you're watching our wedding video, like that would, I would be a ball on the I, floor. Yeah. He's just laughing at her He's like, man, nose. that bitch yeah. is funny. <laughs> she, <laughs> needed, <laughs> she needed a tissue. Yeah. <laughs> she sure did. She sure did, yeah. Yeah, that's fucking sad. That's yeah. incredibly yeah. sad. Because you're like, maybe she's going back to the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Where did we go wrong? Yeah. yeah. You got a lot of work to do. But Malcolm continues to watch as the video shows his first dance with Anna as husband and wife. The two look very much in love as they kiss. He goes upstairs to find Anna in the shower. He looks at her reflection in the mirror of the medicine cabinet, but pauses when he sees a prescription bottle for Zoloft, an antidepressant, inside. He goes downstairs, frustrated again when he tries the red knob to his basement office and finds it locked. He searches his pockets again for the keys. In the next scene, Cole is attending a birthday party. He's doing Malcolm's magic penny trick for Bobby, but Bobby tells him that it's stupid. Cole says it's supposed to be funny, but Bobby just doubles down that it's stupid yeah. and he wants his penny back. <laughs> I love that he's like, you got a penny on you? I yeah, got something. I got something great. Yeah, it's going to blow your mind. I think maybe that's why I was like, man, I don't like that. Because it's like, you're showing the trick. I get that he, he yeah. did make an impression on him. Yes. But he showed his friend the trick and he's like, I don't give a he's fuck. like, that is stupid. Just give me my penny back. It's sad because he's just trying to connect. Yeah. yeah. But Cole does return the penny. Yes, yes, he does. Later, Cole sits alone as he hears his mother thanking the birthday boy's mom, played by Hayden Saunier, for inviting her and Cole because he really doesn't get invited to stuff like this. She says the last time was at Chuck E. Cheese and he just hid in a plastic tunnel the whole time. And things are awkward when the other mom doesn't know what Chuck E. Cheese is. Yeah. What like, the how the 
Oh, you don't know what yeah. you're like, oh, I'm sorry, the Countess hasn't yeah. heard of <laughs> Charles. Oh, sorry, your Majesty. That's what I took it as. Yeah. I was like, like, come Charles. on. Get the fuck out of here. Well, I gotta make it sound regal for her. Yeah. Charles Edward Cheese. Yeah. I, was, I was pissed, though. But at the same time, you're like, okay, so Cole is experiencing this sense of detachment from his peers. Right. So is Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just sad. Yeah. But Cole is distracted by a red balloon hmm. floating up the stair hole ah. to the second floor. He goes up the stairs after it. The music and fun downstairs seem further away as Cole slowly climbs them. He hears a voice say, sir, madam, is someone out there? Open this door, please. I can't breathe. If you can hear me, open this door. The voice grows rougher and more urgent as it promises that he didn't take the master's horse. He screams to open the door or he'll break through it and grab you. At the bottom of the stairs, Tommy brags to the birthday boy, Darren, played by Peter Tambakas, that the star of the commercial always gets his own trailer because he needs a place to think about his character. Oh, my God. Darren humbles his ass by saying that Tommy only had one line in that commercial. (laughs) (laughs) But that's when Tommy looks up and notices Cole hesitating at the top of the stairs. I will say I remember being a kid and for the first maybe we did see this in theaters. I don't remember. Because I remember a giant fucking screen and being very terrified whenever that voice came through. I remember being scared as fuck. Yeah. Like goosebumps. I don't know if I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> scared. <laughs> Not you the know. show or butt goosebumps. Yeah. No, like no. physical goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of that. <laughs> uh, I think it kind of put me in the mind of, I had the same feeling of fear, I guess, in Insidious whenever... Renee is on the baby monitor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That kind of, it's the same yes, genre. I of right, right, right. But Darren tells Tommy that his father made him invite Cole and the two slink up the stairs after him. Cole still stands petrified outside of the small door at the top of the stairs, but turns when he sees the boys coming. He tells Darren happy birthday, which was like, oh, that was, yeah. oh, he's just so sweet. <laughs> But Tommy asks if there's something Cole wants to see behind the door and clearly afraid Cole says no. Tommy says they're putting on a play and asks if Cole wants to be a part of it. Cole reluctantly agrees, but Tommy and all of his imagination says that the play is called Locked in the Dungeon. Mm -hmm. And Darren, with just as much imagination, (laughs) chimes in that Cole is going to be playing the part of the person locked in the dungeon. (laughs) The two boys grab Cole and throw him inside. We've seen people credited as worse. So (laughs) (laughs) let's be fair. Fair point. Cole screams and bangs against the door, but stops after a moment. The red balloon still sitting next to the light fixture bursts and Cole lets out an ear splitting scream. Downstairs, Darren's mom seems to take notice, but turns back to her conversation. Lynn, however, looks upstairs concerned. She heads up, the screaming getting louder the further she gets from the music. She passes Bobby on the stairs, who looks fucking scared, Mm -hmm. and pushes past Darren and Tommy, who are just standing outside the door staring at it as Cole is fighting for his fucking life inside. (laughs) They're just looking at it. Mm -hmm. Cole is sobbing and screaming for help, but Lynn can't get the door open. She asks for a key and tries to yell at Cole, asking if he can hear her. He just continues screaming on the other side. Other mothers come up the stairs, Darren's mother grabbing him protectively and staring at Lynn. Yeah, I was like, bitch. I was pissed. I would have pushed both of them down the steps. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding, dude? They're like, oh, wow. Your punk ass kid? Yeah. 
Like you're lucky I didn't sock him in the face when I came up here looking for my son. <laughs> you know, you know they did it. The way oh, they're yeah. standing there, yeah, of course they did. They're like, wow, glad that's not my kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Lynn finally stops pulling at the door, and Cole suddenly stops screaming. The lock clicks, and she's able to open it up. Inside, there's nothing but Cole in the small compartment, but he has passed out. Lynn cradles her son, and we segue to the hospital. I also noticed at that point his very bright red sweater. Yes. Yeah. Oh, all right. But at the hospital, Dr. Hill, played by M. Night Shyamalan. Look, <laughs> um, you lo- you looked over at me like you were expecting it. I was. Yeah. I, was. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about this cameo except that it's probably his best one. It might be. I don't. I mean, Ray Reddy had his problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this isn't Doctor Ray Reddy. No, no, no. Doctor Reddy. Not doctor, no. It's not Doctor Reddy. Ray Reddy had his struggles. Um, right. I did. <laughs> I did read that this was like a nod because he has a lot of doctors in his family. Oh, all right. And that he hated himself in this. That this scene was a lot longer and he cut it down a lot because he hated himself in it. Yeah, I, mean, I think he did not, fine. Yeah, he's not there very long. No. no. I think he did, Well, now he's not there very yeah. long. Yeah. But it's a perfectly serviceable cameo. Yeah. yeah. He's not like your son. I don't think he likes water or <laughs> yeah. whatever. No, yeah, right. You know, so <laughs> don't I, give him a bath. Yeah, like, it's Run. fine. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? He's like, I'm working on something. I've never yeah. seen them <laughs> Yeah, <near."> right. <laughs> it's like, come on. This is, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. But he tells Lynn that the tests show that Cole didn't have a seizure and he's doing fine. He tells her that Cole can go home tonight after he gets some rest. Lynn fights back tears as she's flooded with relief, but Dr. Hill has more to say. He says that there are cuts and bruises on Cole that are concerning, and this is when we see... (laughs) I'm sorry. This is when we see that Malcolm is sitting with them, and he goes, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's such an odd moment because you would think that he would (laughs) say something instead of just reacting. Because he's like, God, I saw those two. I saw them on his wrist, right? What do they they call it? The peanut gallery? That's kind of what he's... we heard you earlier say you don't (laughs) think he was doing it. He could have defended her. He's like, oh, Oh, damn it. <laughs> right. Ooh, they got you. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Well, sorry. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> was really funny. But Lynn says that Cole gets hurt from playing sports. And when Dr. Hill doesn't respond, she asks him if he thinks she hurt her child or that she's a bad mother. Dr. Hill doesn't answer these questions, but he indicates a woman behind them, Mrs. Sloan, played by Ellen Shepard, who is a social worker with some procedural questions to ask her. I here's the thing though are we not gonna mention that he just got locked in the closet by two bullies are we not gonna mention that he's doesn't have very many friends at school and having problems I mean this isn't coming from home this is coming from somewhere else it's a variety of what possible sources yeah Yeah. and also I mean the fact of that I don't know maybe they would jump to that conclusion immediately Maybe. maybe it's also because she is lying he doesn't play sports. No, he doesn't. Play no, sports. but yeah. maybe if she's like, what happened? Oh, we were playing at school and I fell. Like, that's probably what he's telling her. Yeah. Yeah, the kid lies a lot. Lynn's, not, <laughs> Lynn's not a liar. No, so she's not. We're not going to do that. No, we, we love Lynn. not going to do gonna... <laughs> it's called Lindsay or a fucking liar. But she asked Dr. Hill what happened to Cole because something physically happened to him and something was very wrong. We cut to Malcolm visiting Cole in his hospital room. He looks very small, bundled up in a blanket on his bed. Malcolm sits on the end of the other bed and asks if Cole's dad used to tell him bedtime stories. Cole doesn't answer. 
Malcolm starts telling a story for him. Once upon a time, there was a young prince that decided he wanted to go for a drive. So he got a driver and they started driving. He says that they were driving a lot, clearly trying to think of more to say. (laughs) He says that they drove so much that they fell asleep. Then they woke up and realized that they were still driving because it was a very long drive. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this so much. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) It puts me in the mind, this feels like Graham Hess in signs. Yeah, yes. He would tell a story like that. He absolutely would. (laughs) But Cole interrupts, putting him out of his misery and points out that he hasn't told a bedtime story before. (laughs) Malcolm admits that this is true and takes Cole's criticism that he needs to add some twists. Mm. he asks for an example of a twist and Cole proposes that maybe they could run out of gas Malcolm starts to get back into his story but Cole interrupts him again asking him to tell the story about why he's sad I do want to point out as well when it comes to telling if you're telling a bedtime story about a prince yeah cars don't usually (laughs) (laughs) usually horses and knights he's he's grasping this he got to the back of the Lincoln he's trying Uh, yeah He's doing his best. They That's stopped fair. at the Wawa. Wait, 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 what? We're in Philly. <laughs> Malcolm asks what makes Cole think that he's sad. And Cole says that his eyes told him. Malcolm says that he's not supposed to talk about stuff like that. And this makes Cole turn away from him and exhale deeply. Giving in, Malcolm tells a story about a person named Malcolm who worked with children and loved his job more than anything else. One night, Malcolm found out that he made a mistake with one of the children and he couldn't help him and he can't stop thinking about it. Things have been different ever since then and Malcolm isn't the same person that he used to be and Malcolm's wife doesn't like this new Malcolm. They're like strangers and they barely speak at all anymore. He has Cole's attention again and says that one day Malcolm met a wonderful little boy that reminds him a lot of that other little boy. Malcolm wants to help this new boy because it kind of feels like if he helps him, he's helping that other boy too. Cole asks how the story ends and Malcolm admits that he doesn't know. So this for me, because it's really an exchange of honesty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's being truthful and now we're going to get what we get next. Yes. Right. M. Knight had talked about people seeing this movie as a certain thing that we'll get to in just a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. But really, this movie is about communication. Right. 100%. That's yeah. the major theme. Malcolm trying to communicate with his wife. Right, right. Malcolm and Cole trying to communicate together. Mm-hmm. Cole, Cole communicating his with his mother. Yeah. Right. As well as a few other things we'll talk about soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so tying it to such a universal idea. Right. Also gives it this staying power. A producer was talking about how if you attach an idea to something universal, that thing will really never die. Right. I mean, that's true. Like we had talked about May and really the core of that film being so much about loneliness. Yes. That like we all talked about that movie doesn't really age. No. Yeah. Because that's a thing that never. Exactly. Unfortunately. yeah. Yeah. But Cole takes a deep breath and tells Malcolm that he wants to tell him his secret now. We zoom in tight on Cole's face as he says the iconic line, I see dead people. We switch to Malcolm, who asks, in your dreams? Cole shakes his head. Malcolm asks, while you're awake? Cole nods. 
Malcolm asks if the dead people are in graves or coffins, but Cole says they're walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't even know that they're dead. Malcolm asks how often Cole sees them, and Cole says, all the time. They're everywhere. He asks if Malcolm will tell anyone his secret, and Malcolm promises that he won't. Cole asks if he'll stay here until he falls asleep, and Malcolm says that he will. With a pained expression on his face, Cole turns away and tries to fall asleep. So what's the secret? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, yes, we yeah, all right, see, right, right. We all yeah, see yeah, dead yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> You're also a human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point where I feel like from this point forward, we're in a completely different film. Yes, yeah, the it, veil is lifted, and we really see what we're working with here. And uh, me and you, T, had talked about it before we started recording, and I feel like after watching the movie and then knowing it and whatever, from here it's like, oh, okay, that I, like I uh, you had made a comment and said that that it was it was like, no, nah, I don't think so uh, about the scene, uh huh, um, but. I will say also, yes, this is a different movie from this point yeah. on. And I didn't realize it until me and you had talked earlier. And then I was like, oh, okay. I did realize that. And that's what stood out to me. Okay. But we will talk about later. it later. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I did want to talk about that line. Yeah. There, there is no way on the planet Earth... And Haley Joel Osment said this in an interview that they thought that line would become as iconic as it did. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they and said it, it was it's a line in the film. It's an explanation of what he's been going through. Yeah. But it is bar none one of the most quoted parodied oh yeah i feel like if somebody told you that that's probably something that's gonna stick out no matter I would remember what yeah, that. that's true. yeah. <laughs> they should have been like no this line yeah. is gonna, yeah. it's gonna fuck everybody no, i think the penny thing is where it's at. yeah <laughs> later on the street malcolm admits to his tape recorder that cole's pathology is more severe than he had assessed he says that Cole is suffering from visual hallucinations and paranoia, equating it to a school-aged schizophrenia. He surmises that medication or hospitalization may be necessary. He switches off his tape recorder and sighs deeply, admitting that he is not helping Cole. Later that night, Lynn carries Cole into the house asleep over her shoulder. She carries him to bed, and as she's folding up the sweater, the red sweater, mm -hmm. that he wore to the party, she notices holes scratched into it. She looks at the shirt that he's still wearing and finds the fabric scratched on the back of that, too. She pulls up his shirt while he's sleeping to reveal scratches on Cole's skin. She sobs quietly. We cut to her on the phone with one of the kid's parents. She introduces herself as Cole's mom and says that she'd like to talk to them about their son and his friends keeping their goddamn hands off of her son. So we're able to roll up on him now. Apparently, him up, right? 1,000%. I love her so much. Uh, yes, and whether the kids did this particular injury or not, we can still fuck those kids. Yeah, all right. <laughs> they, <they've been. laughs> as the old proverb yeah, says, right. "Fuck them kids." Yeah. <laughs> they're mean. They are. <laughs> we get it. Yeah. <laughs> that night, the house is dark and still, except for Cole, who stands fearfully in the doorway of his room, clearly needing to pee. He gathers up his courage before waddling down the hallway and into the bathroom using the toilet. 
we see when he's turned away from us to pee that there are scratches on his undershirt too. Yeah. On his little tank top. Yeah. But as he pees, the temperature in the house plummets toward 50. Someone in a pink robe walks past the bathroom and Cole turns in the direction of the door, exhaling a cloud into the cold air. He flushes the toilet and stands fearfully before walking down the hallway toward the kitchen. So a lot of people have said that they thought these smoke clouds were mm-hmm. CG, but they're not. They it were giving him cold? a vape? No. <laughs> <laughs> he was smoking pretty heavily. <laughs> <laughs> the stress of the role. Right. In the- <laughs> this isn't tobacco, son. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm 10. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are y'all doing? But no, um, they, they made it cold in there is what they did. God, yeah. really? He's in his underwear he and a tank top. I know, that poor child. And I will say as well, I can't remember if I said this on Talk Mortem or the corner of Creep and No Sleep, but situations are less scary if you're wearing pants. They're just a little less scary. If you're in your <laughs> underwear, it's very vulnerable. You mean you're more scared if you're not wearing pants? That's what I said. I, right? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> For me. All, all I'm trying to say, like when you think about it, if you think of like a horror movie and like the husband and wife wake up in the middle of right. the night, what's the first thing the husband does? He's like, hand me my pants. <laughs> because it's less sometimes I feel stronger. I, I think it was on creeping no sleep. With pants. Yes. Yeah, right. So if he were to be wearing pants, this wouldn't be as scary to him. That's all I'm trying to say. Got it. He fucked so up. So never, right. never, ever have your pants off. Never. Be a never nude. Like, divide yes. Yeah. <laughs> there are dozens of us. <laughs> or God, that show was so funny. get even more undressed and take your underwear off and then run at the attacker or the and ghost. And then make the ghost feel like yeah, like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Never mind, yeah. dude. <laughs> I won't be taking that. Right? <laughs> He's like, so never get naked. Check. Yeah, yeah no. got it. So d- two pairs of pants. Yeah. <laughs> Long johns. <laughs> But the light is now on in the kitchen and someone is in there moving things around. He steps into the room and calls out to his mom. But when she turns around, it's not his mother. Kitchen woman, played by Janice Darderis, reveals her black eye as she turns around. She tells Cole that no, dinner is not ready. He stares at her in fear as she asks what he's going to do. She yells to him that he can't hurt her anymore and reveals deep scars along both of her wrists. This, when I was a kid. Holy shit. Kind of ruined my life for a little bit. Like that, no, it scared the fuck out of me. That was still fucking. It, yeah, I was like, it scared shit. me so badly. Yeah. It, I felt a shiver watching it last night. Like the her yeah. voice, the way I don't like. And the music as well. Oh, so fucking scary. Honestly, her walking by me breathing cold air. I just live in the bathroom now. I'm not going. Yeah, in the yeah, kitchen. no, yeah, we're not, I'm we're not, not going leaving. over there. The fact that he went there at all is. Yeah. He's brave. Yeah. But Cole runs into his room and slides into his red tent as she continues to yell after him, calling him Nettie and saying that he's a terrible husband, commanding him to look at what he made her do. Cole sobs as he holds a flashlight up. We see now that the figurines that he's been stealing from the church have a purpose. He has them set up here in something of a shrine against the ghosts. He cries, trying to calm himself down. So it's not just a petty thief. Right. Right. (laughs) We misjudged him. Yoink. Uh, I will say that, okay, this is, of course, a very frightening sequence. Yeah. Uh, Scared the shit out of me as a kid and as an adult proper. Yeah. That is a minor, it's it's not a breaking of the rule that they've set up, mm-hmm. but she seems to kind of know that she's dead. I don't think she knows she's dead. I think she knows that she hurt herself and she's telling him that it's his fault. 
That's how I took it. So she's stuck then like this, having to replay this. I think that's what's really happening. But I think in her mind, she's like, no, look what you did. Like, you're a horrible husband. Da, 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 da. Right. I don't think she's like. She says you'll never again. You'll n- oh yeah, she does say you. Can't. No, uh, she's just saying. No, she's, in no. <laughs> she's just taking a stand. <laughs> I, she's telling like, him she uh, served him with a restraining. She'll never order. make no. him dinner again. Right. But then that's still. It's still also. Yeah. I don't know. It gets There's a, a finality to it. <laughs> I have this here M night pass. Yeah. Uh, if I can just get a whole punch on this. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's I'll been be punched. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say. <laughs> you get a. You get if there's any more room left. <laughs> you get a free glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> with your next M night yeah, purchase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you sure you want to use that now? Just one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> one hole, please. Uh, but no, it's it's a it's a great sequence. Yeah. And this is what see, I think it's moments like this, because there are those arguments that I see break out online. The Sixth Sense is not a horror film. Yeah, yeah. A horror film can be a hyphenate of many things. Right. For right. sure. This is a drama, but there is horror in this film. I think from the moment, like I said, that that veil is lifted, we're in a horror film. Yes. I think. It's different. Right. It And it is a different kind of ghost story. Yes. Right. And uh, I know I prefer more of the creature ghosts, uh-huh. but this is still scary. Yes. yes. It is horror. It might say drama, but I still feel like it falls under that. It's a big it, umbrella. It is. For yeah. sure. But we cut to a school play where Tommy is performing on stage. The parents all dutifully take out their camcorders to capture the moment, but Malcolm sits alone, smiling at the performance. Afterwards, Cole asks him if he thought the play sucked big time because Tommy said that it did. He acted in a cough syrup commercial, which apparently gave him enough clout to say that all the kids in the school were self-conscious and unrealistic, which made the play suck big time. I think Tommy made the play yeah. suck big time. <laughs> yeah. He's a ham. He's, he can talk to yeah. the animal. I hate it's him. Like, tone, it, tone it down. <laughs> Learn to squeak and squawk. Yeah. <laughs> With the animals. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle is cheap yeah. like him. <laughs> this baby's going to fly. <laughs> was that what that was? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> We're just going to quote the whole episode. <laughs> but Malcolm just says that Tommy sounds like a real punk. He says the play was excellent, better than Cats. As they walk down the hall, Malcolm admits that he wants to hear more about what Cole had told him at the hospital. He's like, we we still, there's yeah, a lot of, yeah. we gotta process that. But he looks down and realizes that Cole isn't walking with him anymore. He's staring into the gym. We follow his gaze and see a man, a woman, and a child, played by Keith Woolard, Carol Nielsen, and Nico Woolard, wearing old-timey clothes and hanging from their necks. When I noticed that the man and the child had the same last name, I kind of like went through like an IMDb clickety-clack yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah. They're both stuntmen. Oh, really? I couldn't find like full confirmation that they were like father and son, but yeah, I'm yeah. assuming so. I would think so. But I just thought that was pretty fucking cool. They've worked on like big films and I, I thought that was pretty, yeah, Good pretty, for them. pretty cool. I but, will say though with them like this, he did say they were walking around a lot. I don't know how you can be in this posture and be like, no, I'm alive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Well, you know, we Do you need another punch on your car? Yeah. See. If you could just all be on my way, please. <laughs> just real quick. Yeah, sparkling water. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> could it be flavored water? Absolutely. <laughs> Slice of lemon, you know, something. Like a Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coca-Cola flavored water. Yes, thank you. <laughs> 
I will say though, I mean, it 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 looks it is a very frightening visual. Yeah. So I don't want to take away from that. Right. I just feel like the rules that he set up. But we're seeing through Cole's through Cole's eyes. So they're right. probably fine. So how do they? How are they seeing themselves? Yeah. I mean, if they don't know that they're dead, maybe you know we don't. Okay. Well, did you punch this oh, yet? No. Or no? <laughs> I am parched. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> I will I will say I will allow that. Yeah, maybe. Okay. 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 I'll, I'll allow that. And night, listen. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> but Malcolm asks if something's up there and he can't see anything. He kneels down to Cole's level and Cole whispers at him to be real still. He says that sometimes you feel it inside, like you're falling down really fast, but you're just standing still. It's the prickly things on the back of your neck and when the tiny hairs on your arms stand up. That's them. When they get mad, it gets cold. Malcolm looks back toward the gym and says again that he doesn't see anything. He asks if Cole's sure, and Cole only asks him to please make them leave. Malcolm promises that he's working on it. What about when my nipples get hard in the cold? What does that That's mean? That's them. That's a sexy That's ghost. That? Oh, hi. All right. <laughs> uh, I think um, this honestly clears up one thing that a lot of people might have a complaint about. If you listen to that line, it mm-hmm. gets cold when they're angry. All right. Oh, because people say because it's not cold all yeah, the time. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And so that kind of answers that question. Okay. Yeah, because that lady in the kitchen, she wasn't she was happy. Pissed. No. Yeah, she wasn't happy. But later, Lynn leaves the store with Cole sitting in a grocery cart. She runs with the cart, making Cole smile and hold out his arms. She stops when they get to the car and the two giggle at each other. That is very, I know it seems like extra. That's very necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Because this seems like a film about the saddest kid alive. Literally. Yeah. And so it's it's like, no, he does have moments. Yes. He can smile. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I appreciated that. But back at their house, we see Tommy waking up his fictional parents in the cough syrup commercial. (laughs) He tells them that his throat hurts and they give him the cough syrup. He's like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) We then cut to him healthy and playing with the dog outside. Cole watches this on the TV as Lynn inspects the thermostat and she lightly chastises Cole when he throws a shoe at the TV yeah. to make it shut off. I understand. She's like, Cole. I get it, but come on, we man. Have one TV. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's wheeled into the kitchen. Yeah. Like, don't fuck this up. But she, t- <laughs> she tightens her sweater around her and says that the thermostat is broken. She doesn't care what they say. She sits down to eat across from Cole, telling him to take off the huge leather gloves that he's wearing, finally telling him to take them off the table completely when he sets them next to his plate. I'm assuming they're his dad's. Yes. They start to eat and she tells him that she saw what was in his bureau drawer while she was cleaning and asks if he wants to confess something. He just stares at her and she tells him that she found the bumblebee pendant and asks why he keeps taking it. He stops eating and folds his hands as the camera slides over to Lynn. It was grandma's pendant and Lynn would have been so sad if it had broken. We slide back over to Cole as he says that Lynn cries because she misses grandma so much. Sometimes, though, people think they lose things, but they didn't lose them. They just got moved. She asks if he moved it then and he shakes his head. So that is kind of what we're talking about with this communication thing. Yeah. yeah. Because he's literally, he's, he was really parsing his words. He's like, okay, how can I? Yeah. He's, and he's being metaphorical, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. being philosophical. And she's like, so you moved it then. Yeah. He's like, Mm-mm. no, no. <laughs> God damn it. Cole. <laughs> you're not, you're not hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's clearly frustrated and he asks her not to get mad. She asks who moved it this time as we slide back over to her. She proposes that someone broke in, took the pendant out of her closet and placed it nicely in his drawer. Cole's like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Lynn admits to him that she's just tired, body, mind and heart. She needs help because if he hasn't noticed, their little family isn't doing so good. She says that she's been praying, but she must not be doing it right. So they're going to have to answer each other's prayers. She tells him that if they can't talk to each other, then they're not going to make it. The camera slides back over to Cole, who looks devastated and has his hands over his mouth. She asks him again, promising not to get mad. Did he take the bumblebee pendant? He drops his hands from his mouth and tells her no. Lynn Silverware clatters as we slide back over to her. She tells him to leave the table, yelling go when he doesn't move. So if I'm not mistaken, this is another long take yeah. of back and forth. Yeah. And it adds to the tension when there's no cut. Yes. Uh, I appreciate the scene a lot. I really feel bad for Cole because if he said no, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. If he said yes, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. And no is the truth. It is the truth, but it doesn't look like the truth. No. Because he's not telling her what the fuck's going on. Well, mm-hmm. he, I feel like he might have tried and a she little gets bit. all weird. And so he's like, no, just... Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, maybe somebody did break in. I don't fucking know. I'm not here all day. Yeah, I got school, dude. (laughs) But Cole listens to her and heads to his bedroom. But he turns around when Sebastian the dog runs out of his room yelping. While his back is turned, another older kid walks into Cole's bedroom. The boy, played by Tony Donnelly, comes back into the doorway to tell Cole to come on. He'll show him where his dad keeps his gun. He turns around to walk back into the room and we see that the entire back of the boy's head has been exploded by a gunshot. That's that's a lot, Robin. Yeah, it's fucking striking. It's horrifying. Sad. So sad. And every single time it it still shocks me after all these years. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It is another thing that I'm wondering about is I was like, did this happen in this apartment? You know, Yeah. you know. Because honestly, you look at him, he looks like one of the Brady kids. Yeah, he does. Like he's from a different time. Yeah. So maybe it is. But we also have evidence that it doesn't always have exactly. to be here. And it's a matter of like coal. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Lynn, in tears, is trying to coax Sebastian out of the corner of the laundry room. Sebastian's like, fuck this. <laughs> he was like, hell no. I don't know if we said, but that dog's adorable. It's so cute. Yeah. But Cole comes into the room and she tries to wipe her tears away before he can see them. He asks her if she's not very mad, can he sleep with her tonight? She tells him to look at her face and tells him that she's not very mad. She holds out her arms to hug him and Cole clings to her. She tells him that he's shaking and sobbing, begs him to just tell her what's wrong. But Cole doesn't say anything. Her frustration and like sorrow here is like it reached through the fucking TV and was like, oh, no, you're crying today. Like, (laughs) that's just what it is. This is one of the moments where I found myself. Oh, my God, dude. It is. It's very sad. But again, I feel like he's tried to tell you. He's doing his best without but it's like no you need to spell it out like we need to sit down at the table and you'd be like look just like you told dr crow yeah i see dead people just say it like that flat out rip the band-aid off and then we'll (laughs) unpack it through there you know you said that people have or whatever like a direct line to your funny bone yeah tony collette whatever the sad bone yeah the saddy bone yeah Yeah. she just i don't know something about because hereditary she's great at what she does well yeah that's maybe that's it no shit maybe that's all it is 
But we cut to an antique shop where Anna shows off a diamond ring to an engaged couple played by Firdas Bomji and Samia Shoab. She describes the Burmese sapphire at its center, saying that it's timeless. The man asks if Anna has anything a bit plainer, and his partner takes exception to this, asking if he wants a plain ring to go with his plain fiance. Yeah, plain was not Don't the word. Say that. Was, yeah, no. that was not. <laughs> he asks her not to get in a tizzy, but she just continues to stare at him. He tells her that she is so beautiful. She's a Burmese sapphire all by herself, and she doesn't need all that. Well, he's a little he shaky. Tried it. Yeah. Yeah. He tried it. It was a good save. Yeah. <laughs> Anna proposes, sealing the man's fate, that she just try it on and see how they feel about it. The man looks like this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he was pissed. She knew exactly what yeah. she was doing. He was like Malcolm at the hospital. He's yes, like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> She slides the ring on the woman's finger and asks how it feels. She says that the ring communicates a longing in her opinion. She thinks that the woman who owned it loved a man that she couldn't be with. The woman asks Anna if the man had wavy hair and chestnut eyes. The man what? is like, what? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> That's unbelievable. I feel like I'll need to evaluate something. Yeah. Maybe have a couple conversations. But Anna says that she doesn't know about that, but that a lot of things here communicate and she just needs to find something that speaks to her. She goes on that when people own things and pass away, a part of them is imprinted on their possessions like fingerprints. We cut to Anna returning the ring to its box and telling the couple that she'll get it wrapped up for them. (laughs) She's good at her job. Yeah. He's like, thanks a lot. (laughs) Yeah. no You fucked yourself with the plain comment. You probably could have looked at another ring if you Mm -hmm. hadn't said it like that. It reminds me of that episode of Atlanta where Ern keeps being upcharged at the restaurant. (laughs) He's like, well, you're fucking killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Stop fucking upselling me. so good. (laughs) (laughs) sean comes in carrying a bench remember lemon square sean Mm. carrying a bench up the stairs for her and the two joke until anna brings out a gift she got for sean's birthday he opens it revealing it to be a first edition book and he tells her that it's too much she jokes that she's taken it out of his christmas bonus and the two hug after a moment they hug again more intention behind it this time They look at each other longingly, pressing their foreheads together, but the moment is broken when they hear glass shattering. They rush past the couple in the front of the store where the window to the front door is shattered. They walk outside and look up and down the street, but we see Malcolm walking away briskly, holding his side. He is. Yeah. I do want to say, first of all, that's fraternization. Yeah, she is his boss. Yeah, you shouldn't be be doing that. It's bad. It's bad. Bad luck. Um, (laughs) But you got you got this dude. You got Bruce Willis, <laughs> um, <laughs> dude. Bruce Willis. This is Bruce Willis. This fucking what is it? A jewelry store? Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume All it right. was an antique shop. This oh this antique yeah. employee. <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't have gone back. He wouldn't have saved Marcellus Wallace. He wouldn't have done it. He would have left the shop. He wouldn't have done it. He would have left the pawn shop. Uh, <laughs> you made it sound like he was an antique. Yeah. <laughs> this antique, antique motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> she just bought, she bought this employee <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could have worded that better i was just disappointed <laughs> but as this plays out we hear malcolm telling cole that he knows what he wants he wants to be able to have the relationship with his wife that he once had we see the two of them talking and cole asks how malcolm is going to do that trying to remain professional but clearly hurt by the idea Malcolm tells Cole that he can't be his doctor anymore. 
He hasn't paid enough attention to his own family and bad things happen when you do that. He's not wrong. He's not. He tells him he will transfer him to another doctor, but Cole interrupts. He begs Malcolm not to fail him. He says that he's the only one who can help him. His eyes filling with tears, Malcolm tells him that he can't help him. Cole begins to cry and Malcolm assures him that someone else can. Cole asks Malcolm if he believes him and he has to ask again if he believes his secret when Malcolm doesn't answer him. Looking away from him, Malcolm says that he doesn't know how to answer that. Cole slides the penny across the table toward Malcolm. Malcolm looks down at it and finally up at Cole, who asks him, still crying, how can you help me if you don't believe me? He says that some magic is real. I saw a an interview with Bruce Willis, and he was saying that they did this scene a lot mm-hmm. in varying stages of Malcolm being very detached. Malcolm here trying to remain professional, but, you know, clearly upset and tearful. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm fucking sobbing. And he calls them wet scenes when everybody in the scene is crying. He was like, I don't (laughs) like doing wet scenes. He was like, but we did. He said that what was used, he thought was perfect, but that they did this so many ways Uh where he is like unfeeling or he's fucking like sobbing. I think this is so perfect because you can tell how bad it hurts him. Yeah. But he's trying to save his marriage. Uh, Like it's, it's, you know, a rock and a hard place. It's very sad. I think one thing that hits me as well is uh, M. Night as a filmmaker, Mm -hmm. because you have the moment of Cole saying, don't fail me. It's an echo of Vincent saying, you've failed me. Yeah, yeah. A lesser filmmaker probably would have had a flashback or something. You failed me. Yeah, and he's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that thing thing that I I heard. (laughs) (laughs) So it it works well because it's trusting your audience to remember. Right. And I think that that it just works better. Yeah. But later, Malcolm sits in his office replaying what Vincent Gray said. Do you know why you're afraid when you're alone? I do. He plays an old session between him and Vincent. Malcolm is heard apologizing for having to step out, saying that he hopes he didn't leave Vincent alone for too long. He then says, whew, it's cold in here. (laughs) It's so funny because we say that all the time to each other because he rewinds it in a minute. and It's perfect. It's cold in here. But he asks Vincent why he's crying and Vincent sniffles before telling him that he won't believe. Malcolm rewinds the tape, perfectly playing the part over again. <laughs> he rewinds it again. Whew, it's cold in here. <laughs> we, we said that too much, I think. <laughs> he rewi- I think it every time it's cold somewhere. Yeah, me too. He rewinds it back to before he had to leave the room, telling a story about throwing up chili cheese fries all over a nurse when he was a kid. Vincent is laughing at this. Mm-hmm. Someone comes into the room telling Malcolm about a phone call that he has to take and Malcolm excuses himself and the room goes quiet. He hears Vincent take shuddering breaths and he turns the volume up. He listens intently before detecting another sound. He stops the tape and turns it up as high as it can go. The numbers go from white to red. Indeed. Before pressing play again. Vincent is breathing heavily as a man sobs while he speaks in Spanish, saying that he doesn't understand and he doesn't want to die. Malcolm is in shock. The reveal is brilliant. Yeah. Because you have, it's it's the sound design, it's the music, it's the tape recorder. It all just works so well. His reaction, his facial expression. Yeah. And honestly, when I was a kid, I didn't grasp that this was not a tape of Cole. 
I thought I was like, hey, no, you know this already. Well, yeah. yeah, it sounds like gold. <laughs> it sounded a lot like gold, but knowing that that is what Vincent was going through, right, right, and there was a little patch of hair that Cole has in the back yeah. of his head. Vincent also had it. Really? Yes. Oh, all right. And okay. So it's like they're they're afflicted with the same right gift. That's the motivation that I couldn't really speak to up top. But Donnie Wahlberg said that in his mind, he doesn't have. I mean, he had Malcolm Crow that he has told his secret to. Mm-hmm. So he has lived with this his entire life, never telling anybody, turning to drugs, turning to this. He said that he wanted him to be like alternative with like makeup on and black clothes. And he was like, no, this dude is stripped bare. He's got nothing left. Yeah. He's lived tortured with this his entire life. He said that he went out on the street to run lines with a friend of his mm-hmm. and he was going to pr- he was going to be Vincent Gray. And his friend was going to be, you know, Vincent's friend. Yeah. And so they're rehearsing and he's like, this guy doesn't have any friends. He was like, this is all wrong. Yeah. So he's like, I spent the night in some bushes. <laughs> oh, wow. He's wandering up and what down the, the street. Fuck? Yeah. He put himself in this mindset of this tortured person living this life of deprivation. And he's like, and I look up and I've lost five pounds. I've lost 10 pounds. Jesus. I've lost 20 pounds. He, the weight loss was not on purpose. That was him going so deep yeah. into this man who has been tortured with this his entire life, never unburdening himself, never telling anyone, turning to various outlets to try to cope with it, but right. he can't get past it. He went method. I mean, he fucking, and to be, how long is he on screen? Not even yeah. a like, few minutes. He, it, it's just, it, I was so fucking impressed. I was that's, like, Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, okay, Donnie Wahlberg. But you look at him in this, you look at him in Dreamcatcher. Yeah. This dude takes his shit very seriously. Yeah. You look at him in Dead Silence. Yeah. <laughs> he was really shaving he his face. Yeah. <laughs> he does his best, man. I, yeah. Uh, I think that, honestly, if he were to have phoned in that performance, the punch wouldn't have been there. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that you need to lose 43 fucking pounds. No. But um, he did what he felt he needed to do, and his performance was better for everything he did. Yeah. He's really, I mean, unrecognizable. It's it's crazy. I, I, the, my only thing is the, he's, the, the ghost is kind of loud. You would have heard that. You didn't need to turn that all the way up to ten. <laughs> well, it's like you, you would have heard that it shit before. Regular volume. I, yes. <laughs> There's yeah. a big jump on that player from five to yes. ten. Yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it does work good. I did. I was like, okay. I was like, oh shit. You you know we got a ghost. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you didn't need to do all That's that. The ghost one thing. was loud. He was talking at normal volume. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so sad to me because they were laughing about throwing up cheese fries and shit, and then. The ghost is like, I don't want to die. He's yeah. like, fuck, damn it. Like, I had a moment of peace. And now you're back. Yeah. yeah. I did also want to say there is an exterior shot of the house, mm-hmm. the crow's house, crow's nest, if crow's you will. House? Yeah. <laughs> um, on the second watch for this episode, it's entirely red brick. Oh, oh, all right. I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, probably not. But Malcolm goes to the church where Cole is up on the second floor looking down on him. He's like, <laughs> to me, these are like lines that a villain would that, deliver. Yeah. <laughs> I literally wrote, I said, why is Cole acting like an evil genius? Because he goes, have you been running around? Do you feel better? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I like running around. It's good exercise. I was like, Cole, he's icing you out. Yeah. <laughs> you got to earn your way back in. Hannibal Lecter over here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But he offers Malcolm to play soldiers with him. Malcolm says, maybe later. Cole's like, something happened, didn't it? And Malcolm nods. 
Cole asks if Malcolm is wigging out and he responds that he thinks that he is. Down in the pews, Malcolm tells Cole about the Spanish he heard on the tape and asks what he thinks the ghosts want when they talk to him. Cole sits down and Malcolm goes next to him, kneeling to his level. He asks Cole to really think about it. What do they want? Cole says that they just want help. Malcolm agrees. He thinks that that's what they want too. They all just want help, even the scary ones. He thinks the key to getting the ghost to go away is to listen to them. But Cole asks, what if they don't want to help? What if they're just angry and they want to hurt someone? Malcolm says that he doesn't think that's how it works. But when Cole asks him, he admits that he doesn't know for sure. (laughs) You're just going to have to risk it, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. That night on his way home, Malcolm sees Sean leaving his house. That's a bit much. He gets in his car and Malcolm yells after him, but Sean ignores him and drives away. (laughs) That night, Cole is asleep in his tent when he hears his mother calling out to him, asking what's happening. He runs to her room where she is in the full throes of a nightmare, writhing around and talking in her sleep. She says that if someone is hurting Cole, she'll kick their ass and just pleads to know what's going on. Cole strokes his mother's hair and face until she finally calms down and he whispers at her to sleep now. So on whatever state of consciousness, she's just a badass. Oh, yeah. Just, Even she's in a fucking dream, like, I, yeah, full I will whoop your ass. Yeah, she was, she was yelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She heard her in, her, yeah. in his room. Yeah. But he goes back to his room and sits in front of his tent. The clothespins that were holding half of it up pulled down from when he ran out earlier. He hears something behind him and he panics and frantically clips the tent back together, his breath visible in the air again. He goes inside and turns on his flashlight, breathing heavily. Suddenly, the clothespins start opening on the roof of his tent. We follow them down the line until we see a girl, Kira Collins, played by Misha Barton. Yeah. (laughs) Surprises me every time. I know. She's sitting in the corner of the tent, sobbing as vomit spills from her mouth. I remember being so grossed out at that as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really grasp the importance or how serious it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What it implies later. Mm-hmm. I did want to point out um, whenever he is coming back to the tent, there's like a Dutch angle down the hall. Yeah. And you're like, something's off. You yes. know something fucking yes. nuts is about to yeah. happen. And they deliver. Oh, yeah. It did make me laugh, though, because I had mentioned uh, working on this script at the Discord. Uh-huh. And our friend Jace OKC was like, why is <laughs> why is Marissa Cooper all the way in Philly underneath that bed? <laughs> He's all, she stays messy. Not wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? Get it together. <laughs> that killed me. But Cole runs away, abandoning his tent, which collapses over the shape of Kira. He hides in the living room, terrified, but gathers his bravery to go back into his bedroom. He slowly approaches the figure of the girl beneath the blanket of his tent. He pulls the red blanket aside and she's sitting there. She gags and sobs before telling him, I'm feeling much better now. Cole, still crying and his voice shaky, asks if she wants to tell him something and it fades to black. 
This what? dude's a badass just like his mom. Yeah. Yeah, but what did... I, she didn't hear none of that shit. He crashed in the yeah, living room. <laughs> yeah, he did. That wasn't a slide or like he crashed in that she's motherfucker. Having a, yeah, when you're having a fitful sleep, you usually wake well, up. She's, well, <laughs> she has to hear him over her screaming oh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, she's making she's her own. Still screaming she's screaming in the room. She's busy. She's busy. <laughs> <laughs> I did see an interview with M. Knight and he was talking about the shot of him taking the tent off of her. Yeah. He said what it was meant to convey is his demystifying this idea of ghosts in right. general. Yeah. Okay. You think of a sheet ghost, he's afraid. I love that. Yeah, he we're takes stripping it off. that away. Yeah. He sees who she truly is. Right. Damn, that's good. Right, like, that's really right. smart. Like, you need to take a, a hole punch out of my card for that. Yeah. Look, <laughs> hey, in all fairness, I mean, you, you'll still get your glass of water. But <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that I, I also have a card. It just has less punches in it. <laughs> <laughs> I have not earned... <laughs> I'm well hydrated. Yes. I'll say that. <laughs> Around the card. <laughs> but we cut to Cole riding the bus. He stares out the window at a building, but when they pass a cemetery, he gasps and sits back in his seat. This is when we see that Malcolm is sitting next to him. Cole muses that the girl came a long way to visit him, and Malcolm agrees. Cole fishes inside of a crumpled brown paper bag in his lap and pulls out a clip-on tie, and he puts it on. Okay, so this is why you shouldn't watch these movies for the show when you're tired. Because oh God. he said it was a long way or whatever, and so I was like, oh, it's going to be a long trip. I swear to God, I thought he pulled out a whole fish out of that bag. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just... <laughs> He's like, look, kids gotta eat. I gotta. You don't bring an entire fish for road trips <laughs> on a bus. I'm sure. Yeah. Gonna say, I'm sure everyone on the bus would have been thrilled. Oh, yeah, they're like, oh my god, this fucking kid! <laughs> Can't believe he's got a mackerel. <laughs> it was a tie. Yeah, yeah, it was a tie. It was a tie. They arrive at their destination awake. They're not awake. They're at awake. No, they are awake. Yeah. Like, no, they are awake. <laughs> they're awake at awake. Yes. Is that clear? Right. Okay. <laughs> no i'm dr seuss <laughs> they walk among grieving people and before they go inside cole points out that a little blonde girl sitting on a swing set in the front yard is kira's sister inside people eat and express sympathies and we see kira's picture being illuminated by candles one woman tells another that she went through this when her father had cancer but she can't imagine a child being in bed for two years we hear someone astonished to learn that Kira had been to see six different doctors. I feel like maybe don't talk about this in earshot of the family at the wake, but yeah. you know. Yeah, probably not. Six doctors! Yeah. Like, you shut the fuck up. I think in A that, little decor. A little, yeah. yes. I will say that uh, this is kind of reading, this is for the audience. Yeah. yeah. Which honestly, you know. It's fine. <laughs> A man says regretfully that he heard that the younger sister is falling ill now. That I had never heard before. Yeah, I forgot that. A I man, forgot about that. A man asks for God to help them. That is... Frightening. Horrific. Horrific. Malcolm and Cole walk through these people to the stairs. <laughs> they just walk upstairs. Like, no, <laughs> nobody's even like... No, not at all. They go up, and we linger on a family portrait of Kira, her little sister, played by Samantha Fitzpatrick, and her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Collins, played by Greg Wood and Angelica Page. They stand outside the closed door to the girls' room. Cole asks Malcolm not to go home and Malcolm assures him that he definitely won't. Cole grabs the knob to the door and turns it slowly. Once inside the room, his shadow passes over multiple videotapes with handwritten titles. It passes over a shelf full of puppets and dolls. 
Cole reaches out and grabs a small jester puppet before staring at the dangling marionettes across from him. The music mounts and Cole screams as someone reaches out from under the bed. He looks under and it's Kira, her face pale. She slides a box toward him wordlessly. She's got to work on her approach. Like, Kira, you didn't yeah. need to do all that. You did <laughs> not need to much. do all that. Yeah. It was good misdirection as a viewer. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, those puppets are creepy. The puppets oh my God. Were yeah. Very creepy. Yeah, they were. All puppets are. <laughs> But back downstairs, Cole carries the box past Kira's mother, who is wearing a bright red suit and being comforted by people around her. He finally finds Kira's father, who sits in a black suit all alone. Malcolm stands a distance away from Cole, just watching him. Cole gets Mr. Collins' attention, and after confirming that he's Kira's daddy, he hands the box over to him. He tells him that it's for him and that she wanted to tell him something. He walks back toward Malcolm and the two of them walk away. We spin around to face Mr. Collins as he slowly opens the box and reveals a single VHS tape inside. The screen gives way to static and we see Mr. Collins sit down to watch the tape. Kira puts on a puppet show where one puppet is asking another one to dance. When the second one is hesitant, the first assures them that they can try it out and if they don't like the dancing, they can kick them. <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His eyes still filled with tears, Mr. Collins smiles as he watches his daughter's show. The puppets dance for a second when suddenly they stop. Kira wheels her puppet theater away from the camera and gets into bed. Her mother comes in with a tray of soup and milk. She sets the tray in front of the camera and walks away from it only to return with a bottle of cleaner. She pours some of it into the soup and mixes it up before carrying the tray over to Kira, who is feigning being asleep in her bed. Mr. Collins watches in horror as Kira says on the tape, I'm feeling much better now. We watch as her mother puts the tray in front of her and tells her to eat. Kira asks if she can go outside after lunch, but her mother advises against it, saying how she's been getting sick in the afternoons. I wonder fucking why. Mm -hmm. She tells her daughter not to say that the soup tastes funny either. We watch as Kira dutifully spoons the soup into her mouth and the video gives way to static. So I do want to say, obviously, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Literally. Um, Kira's father, the actor, his performance is so quiet. Yeah. Understated, but perfect. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. The rage. He's yes. In fucking the anger. Shock. There's so many emotions he's going through. Starting of the tape of seeing his daughter again. Yeah. 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 Seeing her at play. It's a, seeing, it's a journey. Yeah. So much stuff. And it's all conveyed without words. Yeah. Mr. Collins approaches his wife in her red power suit, admiring a display of red roses. Guests stand behind him, looks of disgust on their faces. Mr. Collins accuses her of keeping their daughter sick, and she doesn't even make an attempt to deny it. No. Outside, Cole joins Kira's sister on the swings. He hands the tiny jester puppet over to her, saying that Kira told him that she liked it and that Kira looked after her. Her sister asks if Kira's coming back and Cole tells her not anymore as Malcolm stands by listening. Malcolm standing by was kind of funny. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> this is not about me. It's not my business. I just watch the kid at work. Let them let him handle it. Uh, <laughs> I did read in Entertainment Weekly that Haley Joel Osment said that they filmed the majority of this in chronological order. Oh. And so whenever they got to this scene... It was him trying to realize as Cole that you could possibly have what he called a tolerable future with this gift. 
Haley Joel Osment yeah, right. said that? Yeah, now, he said that now looking oh, okay. back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no. I wanted to say this child. No, he was, yeah, he's a, <laughs> okay. he's a goddamn a, prodigy. A yeah. what? Yeah. But what he said was, he said as a kid, from this point forward, he played Cole that way. All right, all right. That this isn't a burden anymore. Yeah. It is a gift. Yeah. And you well, can kind of see the switch. Right, not, right. Not only did he vindicate Kira uh-huh. and yeah. give her rest, he fucking saved this little girl because her mom. Yeah. I yeah. heard the little yeah. one's sick now. Exactly. Oh, okay. And he dropped the dime on. Yeah. Yeah. And then now this bitch is going to jail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk I mean, about pennies. Now we got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the next scene, Cole is getting ready to perform in another school play. A teacher, played by Jody Dawson, advises him on his makeup. Mr. Cunningham comes into the room with the props that Cole needs for his role as the stable boy. <laughs> I got to say very quickly, Mr. Cunningham is a better man than me because if <laughs> Cole comes to audition, I'm like, yeah, we're looking for something else for the stable boy. No, I feel, uh, <laughs> next. I feel like you want to be the stable boy. That's fine. Don't be telling about when I called you a freak. Yeah. In the middle yeah. Of yeah. That's true. Okay? I'm lucky to whatever still be you here. want. Yeah. Well, Cole, whatever you want. I need this job. <laughs> <laughs> he hesitantly asks who Cole was talking to in here. The teacher gets up and walks away. But when she looks back sorrowfully and turns, we see that half of her is horribly burned. Cole smiles, saying that he was just practicing his lines. Mr. Cunningham nods. He's like, I'm not asking. Sure. Yeah. Any yeah, more never mind, never mind. yeah. It's like Twilight Zone. It's like, it's good. Cole did yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. As they climb the stairs to the theater, Cole thanks Mr. Cunningham for getting him the part in the play. <laughs> All right. Some, some guilt played yeah. about here. <laughs> Pulled some strings. Yeah. So. <laughs> Mr. Cunningham kindly tells him that he's welcome and says that back when he went to school here, there was a horrible fire in this section of the theater and the whole thing had to be rebuilt. Cole simply tells him that he knows. Let's just get you on stage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on. not going to ask yeah, any no more, more yeah. questions. Forget yeah, I said that's that. That's great. That's yeah. great. <laughs> we cut to the play. The kids perform King Arthur. Dressed as a wizard, Bobby proclaims that only someone pure of heart can remove the sword from the stone. He posits that they let the boy try, silencing Tommy when he protests that he's just a stable boy and identifying him as the village idiot. <laughs> Tommy does not look happy to be there. Clearly, no. he wanted to be the stable boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But Malcolm stands in the aisle of the audience, watching as Cole approaches the sword. He gives Cole a silent nod, and Cole pulls the sword out, holding it high above his head. The other kids proclaim, Hail, King Arthur! They carry Cole away, cheering, and Malcolm laughs and applauds with the audience when they all fall into a giggling heap. And this is like Cole's perfect day coming yeah, true. It's exactly he got a great part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they carried him away. Yeah, I'm like, it's exactly what he wanted. Yeah. I gotta. I'm gonna try my best to get through the rest of this. Oh movie. god, <laughs> it's. I watched the rest of this movie through a blur. Literally. <laughs> Afterwards, Malcolm tells Cole that he was great in the play and that Tommy Tomasimo sucked big time. He did. <laughs> he was like, oh, like he yeah. did not give a fuck. He couldn't get past his real life emotions. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible actor. The character. <laughs> they both laugh as Cole prances around with his sword. Suddenly, he tells Malcolm how he can talk to his wife. If he waits until she's asleep, she'll listen to him and not even know it. He asks Malcolm... I'm not going to see you anymore, am I? Hmm. Malcolm confirms this, saying that they've said everything that they need to say to each other and that it might be time for Cole to open up to someone closer to him. 
Cole asks if they can pretend like they're going to see each other tomorrow. And Malcolm agrees. I'm already like getting no, emotional. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's I can't. Feel, uh, if I understand that and feeling like that, that fucking sucks. Absolutely. That, it's painful. He tells Cole that he'll see him tomorrow. Cole nods and the two share a look before Malcolm gets up and walks away. It is so bittersweet. It's too much. Because you're like, wow, man, Cole is on his way. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're like, Malcolm's also on his way. Yeah. yeah. And it, it hurts. It very much. <laughs> My man, M. Knight, <laughs> can write. <laughs> he can. Yeah, nobody. I mean, have you seen Stuart Little? No. <laughs> <laughs> that mouse had the best yeah, fucking oh, no. jokes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he had heart. <laughs> but we cut to a street. There's been an accident and traffic is backed up because of it. I need to say very quickly, this is ingrained in my brain. This scene begins with a flare cracking open. Yes. Yeah. It's Pavlovian. Yes. Because the second I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. I'm I'm fucked. (laughs) We travel down the line of cars until we get to Lynn and Cole sitting in theirs. Lynn says that she hopes that no one got hurt before pointing out that Cole has been very quiet. She assumes that he's mad that she missed the play, but she says that she would have given anything to have been there. She just has two jobs that she needs to keep. Cole doesn't respond to this, but he gives his mother a long look before telling her that he's ready to communicate with her now and tell her his secrets. He says, you know that accident up there? A lady got hurt and she died. Lynn peers into the traffic in front of them, asking if Cole can see her. He says that he can, and she asks where, still leaning forward and trying to see the accident. Cole says, standing next to my window. Lynn stops looking forward and turns to Cole. She glances out his window and tells him that he's scaring her. This is when we see the woman, played by Marilyn Shinnok, indeed standing outside of Cole's window, bloody despite the helmet on her head. She walks away. Cole admits that they scare him too sometimes. Lynn asks, they cole puts it plainly ghosts lynn asks him point blank if he sees ghosts and he nods he says that they want them to do things for them lynn asks if they talk to him and cole nods he says that the ghosts are the ones that used to hurt him this would uh, like this would s- scare me so bad to mm-hmm. hear yeah um until <laughs> yeah we're about to yeah. get into yeah. it <laughs> He asks what she's thinking if she thinks he's a freak. Once again, she tells him to look at her face and says that she would never, ever think that about him. She asks if he's got it, and he says that he does. She asks him to just let her think for a minute. Instead of doing that, he says that grandma says hi. That's when I think uh, it begins. I can't. It begins. (laughs) (laughs) During Train to Busan, I had to take a cry break, and I'm trying to not have to take a cry break this time. Lynn looks at him astonished. He says that grandma is sorry for taking the bumblebee pendant. She just really likes it. He says that grandma visits him sometimes. Lynn tells him that that's very wrong because grandma is gone. He tries to tell her something and she quietly asks him to stop. But he continues. His grandma wanted him to tell her that she saw her dance. And it's gone. (laughs) I can't. Yeah, it's gone. This hits home with Lynn. Cole explains that when Lynn was little, she had a fight with her mom right before her dance recital. Lynn fights back tears as Cole continues that she thought her mom didn't come to see her dance, but she did. She hid in the back so that she wouldn't see, but she said that Lynn danced like an angel. 
She also said that Lynn went to her grave and asked her a question. The answer is every day. I did have to take a little break. (laughs) Cole asks what the question was. Lynn and I are both full on sobbing now. (laughs) Yes. She composes herself enough to tell him that the question was, do I make her proud? Cole is crying now, too, and the two embrace each other, sobbing and finally open and on the same page. Well, I know she was scared and she wanted him to stop, but it's good that he kept going. Absolutely. Well, and this she shows, needed to hear that yeah, to prove that he's not lying. Exactly. And he's not mentally ill. Yeah. He's not imagining this. Like, that's something he couldn't possibly know. That would be rough, but I would be like, thank you. Thank you for continuing to communicate. Yeah. I, even when she told him to stop. Yeah. I'm ear retelling I'm having to fight. Yeah. <laughs> I can't deal like, with it. The thing I think the thing is is that it's such it, it not only is it a universal thing to want to make your parents proud. Right. Yeah. But it's also echoing Cole's fear of being seen negatively by, by his her. mother. Right, right, right. And so in this moment, not only is he stitching up a wound for her that she's held right. for years he is opening himself up in a way that he never has before. Yeah. And so it is, dude, I am like... It's too much. I, at the, too I'm much. a puddle at this point. Yeah. And then you realize there's one more scene. There's yeah. more. And it's there's like, more. What the, how dare you? I can't. I feel like Timothy from Identity. Stop. He can't take anymore. Yeah. <laughs> a bitch can't take anymore. It is. It's far too much. I can't. I do. You got to call out the performances. No, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this, I feel like it was shot outside. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. legitimately. Right, yeah. right. There, the second that Cole, I believe, says about the accident. Right. Clouds cover the sun. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's like, this was meant to be yeah. fucking It was meant film. to be this take, yes. this moment. It's perfect. And they weren't sure. I saw a ton oh of interviews. Oh, God. Because they went through this so many times. Yeah. They didn't know if they had it. They, they had it. Yeah. Again, I had posted about working on the script and Anthony Jerome was like, the scene in the car, I can't. Yes. I was like, it's so... <laughs> You can't. You can't. And there's no music. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't let up. It's just you with these two people. Yeah. It's just, it feels very raw. Yes. And it, I feel very raw. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I, I can't get through it. I cannot watch this movie without crying. No. If I make it to this part, it's over at this part. I watched it Sunday mm-hmm. and I cried. Yeah. And then I watched it Monday to refresh myself and yeah. I cried. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't it's, matter. It's, it's, it's just there. It's impactful. It's very sad. Yes. It is. Malcolm arrives home to find Anna asleep in the chair in the living room. She's watching their wedding video again. Her father gives a speech on the screen, but Malcolm sits next to the chair and takes Cole's advice. He says her name and Anna in her sleep replies, I miss you. Malcolm tells her that he misses her too. Anna asks him why. Why did he leave her? And Malcolm says that he didn't leave her. Anna adjusts her position in the chair and something clatters to the floor and rolls over to him. It's a wedding ring. Malcolm looks down at Anna's hand, but she's still wearing hers. He looks down at his own hand and his ring is gone. Just to break the the heartbreak for a moment, when he looked at his own hand, I thought of uh, Death Becomes Her. <laughs> like, I know that hand. <laughs> But his eyes fill with tears as we flash back to Cole in the hospital bed. He says that he sees dead people, but they don't know that they're dead. Malcolm asks how often Cole sees them and Cole responds all the time. 
They're everywhere. We see Cole arriving home to Malcolm sitting with Lynn in the living room. Malcolm stumbles into the dining room and sees a solitary plate of dinner on the table. Cole says they only see what they want to see. He remembers the restaurant, reaching for the bill as Anna whisked it away without so much as a glance in his direction. He looks back at the wedding video, at himself, a little drunk, telling the cameraman to give him a minute. He remembers being unable to open his office door, and he now sees that there's a shelf full of books pushed in front of it. He falls back against a wall and sees that Anna is shivering in the cold, her breaths coming out in a fog. He goes back to that night, shot by Vincent Gray. Anna screams and helps him apply pressure to the gunshot in his stomach. He looks down at himself now. He's wearing the same blue shirt. In the past, blood pools beneath Malcolm and Anna turns him. The entry wound in the front was small, but the exit wound left a huge bloody mess on his back. Now, Malcolm turns and sees the same stain. In the past, Anna sobs and Malcolm turns on his side. He assures his wife that he thinks he's okay. The bullet just went in and out. It doesn't even hurt anymore. We watch as he takes his last breath and slips away. Now, Malcolm sits next to Anna, still sleeping. Her breath comes out in clouds and her cheeks are reddened by the cold. He calmly tells Anna that he thinks he can go now. He just needed to do a couple things. He needed to help someone, and he thinks that he did that. He also needed to tell her something. You were never second. Ever. He tells his wife that he loves her, and we watch her receive it. That hit me so hard. Oh, my God. I'm, like, struggling right now. (laughs) Very sad. Yeah. He tells her to sleep now and that everything will be different in the morning. He's like, but I still don't want you with that dude. Yeah. <laughs> in my fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> with a small smile, Anna tells her husband goodbye. He tells her goodnight and the music swells as white overtakes the screen. We see their wedding video, them kissing during their first dance before it fades to black and we see an M. Night Shyamalan film. And the credits roll. Hmm. So, as we all collect ourselves, <laughs> what did you guys think of The Sixth Sense? I really like this movie. Um, I hate to say my only negative is that it's really sad, um, <laughs> but it is really sad. It is very sad. Um, but great movie. Like, uh, I know we do give M. Night a lot of shit, uh, but this is a really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I'll be honest, man, that's really my only negative is how sad it is. <laughs> like, I I want to have a good time and I want to get scared or I want to, you know what I mean? Go uh-huh. on a ride, but I don't want to cry the whole time. <laughs> oh, and you're but crying. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and this movie does do that. And not saying that it makes it a bad movie, but goddamn, the movies, I mean, it makes you feel some stuff. Um, but yeah, fantastic movie. I do enjoy uh, everything that they did. Like I said, I feel like the the magic trick thing, I, I get it. But it, I like I said, it was, it was a little... <laughs> you uh, really like that? <laughs> well, because I was like, eh, we don't... I didn't... I, I get what it was for, but I'm like, I don't... I didn't... I didn't... I personally didn't care for it. I was right. just like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, it it does stick with you. And this is a movie that, yeah, it does have rewatchability, but I'm probably not going to watch it tomorrow Mm -hmm. because I feel like the more you watch it, you take away from it. 
You know what I mean? I feel like it's give it some time. You don't want to just keep crying every day. You know, (laughs) you have a choice. No, well, (laughs) uh, with the movies, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. But I would definitely highly recommend this movie to anybody if they've never seen it. And uh, I don't want to be like you guys if you haven't seen this shit. But yeah, because it is old. But I'm sure there's people who haven't. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, younger people who haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, and go watch this movie. Find it. Get it. anywhere watch it i accidentally spoiled it for my friend once (gasps) oh but it was like 30 years later don't don't look at me like that no i was shocked shocked that they hadn't seen it not that you spoiled it guilty conscience well it was one of those things well he had just spoiled something for our mom and so i was like that's like saying that bruce willis was dead at the end of sixth sense and he was like (gasps) (gasps) what (laughs) yeah i remember that spoiling was very frustrating yeah i was very mad at that well yeah but anyway (laughs) maybe i'll talk more yeah yeah, Yeah. talk more than we'll get into yeah we'll talk about that there (laughs) uh (laughs) no i think the movie is brilliant Mm -hmm. this is one of the most emotionally effective films i've ever seen in my life right i think that it is more than just the iconic line and the twist ending yeah Yeah. a lot of times when films have something like that in it it's like reduced exactly and i don't think that that's fair for this film there is so much that goes into this mm-hmm. that makes it so poignant, well-crafted, yeah. scary when it needs to be, and it's just very thoughtfully made. Yeah, I have said, I've gone on record, M. Night Shyamalan has made three perfect films, and I think this is one of them. Okay. <laughs> He's also made some other really good... He's made other films, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give my card back. <laughs> I absolutely, I, I love this a lot. Um, like you said, it is extremely effective. It tears me up every single time I watch it, mm-hmm. even knowing what's coming. That's another thing is the rewatchability because M. Night had said that he, like I said at the top, used red very purposefully. Mm-hmm. And it was in these moments where the two worlds kind of meet each other. Mm-hmm. And so the big red doors on the church, it's when Malcolm and Cole come into contact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's so purposeful. Him being afraid of him, looking scared of him and running down the fucking street. It's not because yeah. he doesn't want to talk to him. It's because a ghost is coming toward yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, I'm going to see you again, aren't I? I'm not going to see you anymore. Am yeah. I? I mean, everything is so... The fact that he was like, I see dead people. Whoop! Like yeah, the, yeah. the camera is like, he is. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it took me so many times watching this to realize that he is wearing some iteration of what he wore that night in yeah. every single scene. Even the sweater. The coat, yeah. the sweater, the the blue button down. I mean, it is just, and you don't notice. No. They're able to dress it in such a way that you don't even fucking think about it. And that's one thing that they said led to the success of the film in theaters. Yeah. It was a lot of people seeing the film for the first time telling like 10 of their friends and be like, I got to go see that again because I want to know when the fuck. I want to catch yeah, it. Yeah. And they did. It's just even when he comes home and him, Malcolm and Lynn are sitting together and Lynn is not even looking at him. No. Yeah. In the restaurant, he doesn't even touch the chair. He just sits straight down. The server doesn't talk to him. He, I mean, it's all if you're watching it knowing that you filled in all of those gaps. Yeah. You you saw him digging in his pocket and then he's in his office. So you assumed that he found the key, unlocked it, and opened the door. Uh-huh. You saw him talking to him after he had an outburst at school. You assumed that somebody called him and he showed... I mean... Right. It's you doing a lot of the work. We did that. We filled in those blanks. And I think that... 
the fact that he could write something that we were like, oh, no, I got you. I got you. And we're mm. I mean, we you have to be so forgiving or the writing has to be so good that you're not like, wait, what about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, mentioned it earlier, but uh, when he says that I see dead people. Baby, you had said that the producer said he'd give it away. Yeah, uh, that it made it too obvious. I, the, you saying that, when I watched it for the show, I was like, it's right there. You but were that's, like, I was like, it's fucking it. right yep. there the whole time. Yep. I think that's the thing about the rewatch, because the first time, everything goes by you. Yeah. And the second time, you're like, how did I not? Well, no, because yeah. he just said yeah. something huge, and we're seeing his reaction. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just, it's it's <laughs> masterful. Malcolm's like, when he's like, right now. Yeah, <laughs> because you're, like, yeah. here he goes, and we're just like, wow, wow. dude, <laughs> how did I not catch that the first time? Because I, yeah, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, he just told us right now. Yeah, and then your sister said that earlier this morning, and I was like, yeah, I was like that. I I figured it out too. Yeah, but again. Yeah, you don't catch any of that shit. No. no. Don't notice it. So yeah, like I said, I do I do agree there's rewatchability, but I don't want to cry. But not too, <laughs> yeah, not too much. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess we can just go into ratings. Um mine's gonna be a big shocker. Right. Mm. Um this movie is incredible to me. It gets me emotionally every single time. I think the scares are so effective. Mm-hmm. I love that he rewrote this so many times to get it right Mm -hmm. i love the cast everybody fucking brings it everybody is on a 10 and it's incredible not on a 10 and like a like it can't be like everybody brought their shit how methodical it is the uses of red the way that when you look back you're like how the fuck did i not know Mm -hmm. how did i not know he doesn't talk to anyone he doesn't inter he talks to people he doesn't interact with anyone but cole that's what a good twist does it's it's incredible and i'm always chasing the high of a good twist this is one that will stick with me forever Mm. forever i will appreciate this film um and i will defend m night to the death (laughs) are you laughing as i'm looking looking at you well, look, I'll, I'll defend him for the most part. You'll defend him to the wound. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think he can definitely come back also. And my hopes are through the roof for Knock at the Cabin because right. the book Cabin at the End of the World is 10 out of 10. But that brings me back to the rating <laughs> of The Sixth Sense. Right. And on a scale of 1 to 10, beloved Bumblebee Pendant. Aww. <laughs> I'm going to give The Sixth Sense 10 out of fucking 10. Beloved Bumblebee Pendants. This film is perfect to me. Those little moments that y'all pointed out um, are so overshadowed by the greatness. Uh, But I will now open up the floor. I'm sure, like, pick your jaws up off the floor. Nobody saw that coming. (laughs) But your turn. Um, No, it's a... There's there's really, like I said, the only negative is that, that it's just sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I do enjoy the movie and I did enjoy the movie. I do like it. And I, I mean, I'm always down to watch it. Uh, but if I'm being honest, this isn't something that I've watched a lot. Right. This isn't something that I honestly don't plan to watch a lot unless your sister wants to watch it. Uh, and it's nothing against the movie because it is really good, but this isn't, this isn't something that I would throw in my rotation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, but I can't not give it the credit that it deserves. So I, like I said, I can even go as far as to say that I don't really have at all, but the sadness 
to be negative about. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great film. Yes, it no, was. It was pretty good. So for me, on a scale from one to ten, precious bumblebee pendants. Beloved. Beloved. It's all about the alliteration. All right. Very good. Beloved <laughs> bumblebee pendants. I'm going to give the sixth sense eight out of ten. Hey, the sadness took off two. <laughs> no, yeah, because I don't want. Hey, again, it too, is literally too, yeah. too sad. Hey, it is a really good movie. It's a strong movie. I there is no doubting that. But it's not when I want to see ghosts. I want monster ghosts. Or I get it. You know what I mean? Like nothing. It's nothing against the movie. I'll, all day. This movie is great. Uh-huh. But again, it's not something that I'm gonna throw in a rotation for me. Uh, I will throw in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, wow. you know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> saying they're, both, they're the same. <laughs> oh, same thing. They I mean, often the music, get talked about. I don't know the music lot. on Silent Night, Deadly Night is together. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> I it's tough for this one because it's one of those films that I genuinely, as you said, can't think of a negative. Yeah, it's hard. When I had said about the rule being a little sketchy with the woman in the apartment, yeah really that's you know what i mean yeah when that becomes your only well and here's here's a small thing uh when he's in the office and he's looking through the the, he's decoding the thing when he's in the office it seems like he's within like shot of the award that he was in a reflection in of before when he was with his wife Uh well there was no reflection there then and he was right next to it so i was like oh he doesn't have reflection so you know what i mean look he is a ghost you can you know you can watch it and see it yeah but then when they go to the wake him and uh Cole, when they open the door, he, you can clearly see his reflection behind Cole. He's barely, he's and, barely uh, yeah. and, he's I, barely and I was like, it no. be anything. I was like, see, that's fake. But I'm, that's, that's fake. <laughs> that's, but you know what I mean? Like, I I'm like, that's nitpicky. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? There is, it's hard to find anything negative. I see even that I would, in my brain, I'd be like, it was the camera angle. Excuse yeah. Me. yeah. No, yeah. You know, I'm just like, whatever. That's what I would do. I, I don't know. The thing about it is that it's very... No, actually, I was I was about to fucking lie to both of you. I was going to say, it's very hard to get me to cry with a film. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true at all. Uh, no, I think that that, for me, I know that it's kind of a negative for you because you're like, why would I want to put myself through that? Right, right. For me, it's kind of a positive because it's like, God damn, you know how hard you have to work to make people feel things? Yeah. yeah. The worst thing that you can do with a film is to make people be like, eh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Feel nothing. I think either it's almost like they say in professional wrestling, if you're getting some reaction from the crowd, that means something. No, right. yeah. If people are bored to see you, then what the fuck? You know, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is beyond great. And I even kind of gave it away earlier. I said M. Night has made three perfect films. Right. And I truly believe that with this film. What was the other one? I, I know the other one that you think is perfect. What, Unbreakable? Yeah. What's the third one? To me, and I know I didn't give it a 10 when we covered it. Signs? Yeah. Okay. I think uh, there's nothing I would change about yeah. either film. It's really funny. There's nothing great. I could say as a negative. And I know people, you know, get with the ending on that one. I, I get with the ending on that one. Yeah. Positively. Well, because Ray Reddy told us. Yeah, that part's a little, <laughs> <laughs> that part's a little sketch. But <laughs> I think that this is one of those films that kind of will, it's it's like it, eternal. Yeah. It's a universal concept. You know this film, even if you've never seen this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. Uh, I could say more, but I'd really just be echoing everything you said. Cast, performances, uh, use of the color red. Mm-hmm. Cinematography, I don't think you mentioned. 
Yeah. I love the long takes. Right. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a long take. I don't know why they impress me. They mm-hmm. just do. The sweeping camera. Yeah. Very good stuff. Music yeah. as well. Uh, and the use of no music. Yeah. When necessary. I think that's what I like a little better. Yeah. Is when it's in the moment and there's no music, so you have to sit there uncomfortable and you feel what's happening there. So it's like, there's ah, no, yeah. No yeah. There's relief. no escape. No. Yeah. That scene in the car. And honestly, if you were to do the scene in the car, M and I talked about it. If you were to like to like do a swelling thing, it yeah. would take away from no, it. Yeah, it, would. Would. it wouldn't be as impactful and I wouldn't be a puddle of tears. Yeah. Well, I probably still would. Yeah, no, we would. We would. <laughs> but for me, on a scale from one to ten, beloved bumblebee pendants, I will be joining Nay in giving the Woo. sixth sense. 10 beloved Bumblebee pendants out of 10. There is nothing I would change about this film. It to me, uh, to me, you are perfect. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to point out that, well, first of all, we forgot to circle back and say that Bruce Willis learned to write with his right hand Mm -hmm. to conceal the fact that his left hand did not have a wedding ring on it anymore. Ah, uh, okay. I think he reaches for the bill with his left hand in the restaurant and it's flat out not there. I think because the camera movement is so swift you don't notice it. Yeah. That's, uh, I didn't even masterful. notice that. Yeah. But um, I did want to say it is kind of strange that we're covering this. Uh, the last film of 2022. All right. This yeah. is like this Christmas slot. Yeah. Um, Because T had the fantastic idea for our Christmas poll to be the M night before Christmas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to publicly acknowledge <laughs> Thank how you. brilliant that is. <laughs> I was so proud. And then I we looked at the calendar. We're like, oh, it comes out after her. Christmas. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 We're fine. We're fine. It's, it's great. Still it's still good. Yeah. 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 It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate the Sixth Sense and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at Real Streeter 84, and at Travis MWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, during times when you are trapped by your own existence, extending your gifts to help others may just be the key to your own freedom. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! Woo, yeah. <laughs> it's cold in here. <laughs> a special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Nuding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, 
Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, JSL, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jace OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William Rush, Katerina, Ryan Brom, and Megan Ochoa. Thank each and every one of you. Woo, thank you. Yes. Thank you all so much. And I got to say, we feel so seen by you. Ah. Right. Like, you Wait, know. have we like been seagulls? dead the whole yeah. time? Oh, shit. I think that's the twist. Holy Inside. fuck. I bet if you Inside? go back. <laughs> <laughs> go back to episode one. And right. Yeah. We were telling you. Time. Man, this sheet feels. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a damn oh minute. <laughs> but we'll see y'all in 2023. Yeah. Until next time.